welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Back. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Recovering. Getting back into the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Comic-Con is over for another year. Another more than a year. Yeah. It was an early one this year, and it's going back to being later in July next year. Yeah, we can, ta- uh, we can talk more about uh, the emotional impact that uh, Comic-Con had on the us. Toll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for you, it was a good, it was like, this was a positive experience yeah. and it was for me as well. But, uh, there, I don't know. I had, uh, mixed reactions to it, I okay. think. Um, but we can talk more about that later in the meantime. Yeah. What's uh, going on? There's, there's a number of things that need to be de- dealt with. Okay. Number one, David, here's the thing. I don't know if you know this or not, okay. but emojis are taking over. It's a fact. And now, David, now here's the thing. I'm sure you hear that and you're like, oh, good God, what can we do? We've harnessed the power of emojis. And now when you say uh, that taking over. Is this like the uh, upcoming Sony movie Pixels where they're literally taking over? Uh, yeah. OK, that's what I mean. Yeah, so it's like gotta, it's like Pixels fight. combined with like Skynet. So yeah, gotta, it's like that kind the of, emojis. Yeah. Or again, as I said before. You can harness them. Okay. Make them work for you. You know what? Some people, you can't fight the wind, make a windmill. That's what I say. Uh, and so what, so now emojis have their own tabletop board game. Emoji cards is a simple team based card game that base that combines the best elements of Pictionary charades and cards against humanity. Players use cards featuring a set of 250 custom created emoji images and try to get their teammates to guess clues from the clue card. Clues feature a variety of topics uh, from TV and movies to food, sports, music, historical figures and events, geography and more. Emoji cards was created by Warren Chow and friends of the show, Sam Greenspan and Matt Warren. They launched a Kickstarter for pre-orders and to help fund the initial print run of the game so if you want to see matt and uh sam on camera looking awkward and begging for money just click on the ad at battleshipretention.com for more info uh now they do have an ambitious twenty thousand dollar goal that ends at uh that ends at the end of this month uh so go over buy a copy of the game and show them your support i myself have pledged twenty five dollars um, because I actually think I would enjoy this game quite a bit. So please do look at the video. I think, uh, I think you guys would enjoy it. Listeners try to try to top Tyler's. Yes. Oh yeah. yes. That's a, that's a fun challenge. Uh, beat me with my $25 pledge. So, um, but yeah, so that's a, that's emoji cards. And then, uh, a couple of announcements. Number one is that there is a new addition the battleship retention podcasting fleet this is exciting and that is the f- that is the show double feature a former sponsor of ours and then a uh, friend of the show eric 13 he came on and then he was a part of our alien commentary which we'll talk about in a moment um good. this is another announcement um and yeah so double feature has been running as long as we have and they've got their format worked out pretty well every episode they talk about two Movies that are maybe thematically similar, or stylistic, stylistically similar, similar, or in some cases, they just throw two of them uh-huh. together and just see how it works. Um, and so, uh, I really appreciate the the way they approach movies, and and they also try to be very positive about it. They try to look for what's good about a movie, even it's a, even if it's a film that people widely acknowledge is terrible. <laughs> 
So uh, we're very happy to have them be a part of the show and uh, they're part of the, the fleet. And, um, oh, I wish I could remember the specific, I believe Sundays is when we'll be posting okay. their episodes at battleshippretension.com. Uh, two more things. Sorry. We've got a lot of stuff to do. Oh, I didn't realize um, we had so much. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize either until I started talking. Uh, speaking of that alien commentary. So, uh, as, as we have said before, um, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess a, a well over a month ago we recorded, uh, commentary for the four alien films, um, which includes alien aliens, alien three and alien resurrection. Uh, and David and I watched them all in one day. So we were there the whole time, but then we had guests, uh, come and go, uh, to talk about the various films and we had a great deal of fun. And so you can purchase those commentaries. Uh, each one is $3 or you can buy all four of them for 10. So if you just go to battleshippretension.com, you'll see an ad on the side of the page, uh, for the commentaries. So just go ahead and do that. And it's a good way to sponsor the show. Uh, sorry to uh, support the show. You can sponsor the show too, by the way, yeah. uh, just email me, Tyler battleship If you want to more, know more about that. If you sponsor the show, eventually you get to join the fleet. That's how, yeah, that's, that's how, how it works. works. <laughs> that's how it works. When, uh, when somebody, when Matt decides to launch his emoji card podcast, right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and then lastly, and this is a, a personal favor to me, uh, a friend of mine and a, uh, uh, somebody that I've known for a number of years and went to college with. His name is John Guy. He just launched a, uh, a YouTube uh, video series that is actually very uh, personal to him. Um, I feel awkward saying this, but this is the nature of what his show is. Uh, John is a very large man, um, and he, uh, a few months ago, decided he was going to make some changes in his life uh, to his diet and his um, and exercise and that sort of thing. And so he has decided he's going to document that and so that you can, you know, kind of watch progress, but also just sort of hear him talk about like what it is to make this change in his life and deal with some of the regrets that he's had. And John is also a remarkably funny guy. Uh, and so I would suggest watching it. Um, so the, I believe as of the time of recording, there are two videos available in which you, you know, get kind of introduced to who he is and what he's trying to do. Um, he's lost 80 pounds in the last few months. So he's, wow. he's certainly committed to this. And so I'm very happy for him. And, uh, so if you just go to YouTube, uh, the name of the show is this is my best. So hopefully that'll, that'll take you right there and, uh, and just check it out. It's, uh, John's a, a really great guy and, and I like what he is doing with this project. So, all right. Those are our announcements. Oh, we haven't even gotten to tweaked yet, but that'll happen later. Yeah, that's so, okay. You had something you wanted to get off your chest. I did. You wanted to lay something on us. Absolutely. D- David, I want to get heavy with you. Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, every, I say that from time to time, and it's from uh, a, a Sean Cullen album. Oh, okay. When he's uh, he's about to go into his song about, I think, about Satan. Oh. And he's like, he goes, now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to get heavy with you. Do you know um, what I say? Speaking of comedian friends of the show, okay. whose uh, turns of phrase we've stolen, sometimes I'll say... I'll tell you this for free, which is from Paul Tompkins. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just take from these people that are way more successful than we are. Um, yeah. So last, uh, last week, uh, we were talking about, was it last week? Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about my experience at the outdoor screening of jaws. Uh huh. 
and uh, we talked about me being a curmudgeon and stuff uh-huh. like that, and and it has been talked about a little bit more on uh, in the comment section, right? And I was talking with my wife about it actually, um, because I don't remember exactly what we were doing, but we were out somewhere, and I think we were, I think we were both bothered by something, by somebody <laughs> making, probably maybe I think it was like somebody maybe like watching a video on their phone, which is. Horrible, of course. When, and you're not a public transit guy, where that's right. Oh my, all day long, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm a late night Denny's guy, right. and that happens a lot there too. Um, but anyway, so uh, with last week's conversation in mind, and again, like you know, I understand that there, I'm 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 a Mr. Wilson type from Dennis the Menace. Like uh-huh. I get that already, but um, Jen and I had a very serious exchange in which we said like is this who we are now like is this just what it is to get older i mean i was always pretty easily annoyed but i feel like it's not even necessarily about getting worse i don't think it's necessarily a terrible thing to be like curmudgeonly but i like you know you and i and a lot of the people that i know like you and i are both we're both 33 you're th- you're 32, right? 32. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I was de- I was giving my strong opinion about what should be happening at this uh, outdoor venue, and you said, "Well, that's ridiculous." And then you talked about what you thought should be happening, <laughs> right. and so like, so I like we're just getting I think firmer in our opinions as we get older, and that's not a thing. And I'm okay with that, but it's also not necessarily a thing that I'm, that I like. And I, is that, is this an okay thing? Is it natural? Like when you get older and partially when it comes right down to it, and this is going to sound weird, it's just like, I think when you get older, you're, you're better able to recognize horseshit when you see it. And just like, I don't have the energy to act like this isn't horse shit, uh-huh. you know, and the way, and somebody, you know, using their, uh, watching a video or playing music on their phone in a public space with no headphones, like that's horse shit. And that per, and like, and we, and we recognize like, yeah, society's pretty much always on the brink of disaster. And this is the kind of thing that could put somebody over. I don't know. And so like, it just got me thinking over the last week about like getting older and being a curmudgeon, like. I don't like it. It's something I have um, somewhat recently stopped going to therapy. Uh, it might be a temporary thing. I haven't decided, but it's something I talked with my, about, about, about with my therapist a lot mm-hmm. because I have a tendency to get so annoyed by these sorts of yeah. things and whether it's natural or not, it's probably not healthy <laughs> to allow these things to get to us. There's nothing we can do about it. We should probably just, uh, right. But, that said it still bothers me can i give you a story from my workplace sure so the elevator is my workplace right it's a bank of four elevators right okay but one of those four is actually a freight elevator so when you hit the button for the four elevators Mm. only three of those are on that right that circuit but there is a button a separate button for the freight elevator okay a lot of people at my work have taken to whenever they want to go anywhere hitting both buttons and getting on whatever elevator comes next. Hmm. I'm getting angry already (laughs) because these people think that they're like gaming the system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What they're really doing is just offloading their inconvenience onto other people Mm -hmm. because that when they hit that button, that means 
whichever elevator they get on, the other one's going to stop at that floor now because you hit the button. Yeah. Which means you're either making people stop at a floor that they don't need to stop at. Mm-hmm. You're making people who are waiting for an elevator wait longer, or in many cases, probably both. Yeah. It, it's gotten, it has grown from a minor inconvenience to something that infuriates me. Yeah. And yesterday morning, I got to work kind of early. Like, there weren't that many people there, but it's sort of an open floor plan. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and my coworker, Tara, could tell I was upset about something. She was like, what is it? And I was like, you know the people who hit both buttons? And I said this very loud, big, hoping to. Yeah, yeah. I said, you know the people who hit both buttons and get on whatever, whichever elevator comes first? She was yeah. like, yeah. I was like, pure human garbage. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> Just because I wanted them. Yeah. Then I went into my whole spiel about why that is. And uh, I don't need to do that. Like, yeah. Because the thing is, it's not actually that big an inconvenience. Yeah. I'm, mo- I'm not bothered by the inconvenience as much as I am by the lack of courtesy and the lack of yeah. consideration from the other people. But anyway, this is, I'm getting off on a personal thing. No. What I'm trying to say is I think this is natural for people to be annoyed by these sorts of things. Yeah. I do envy people who aren't annoyed by those sorts of things uh, because I think it's probably, we'll probably all live longer if we stop being so upset. Let me suggest this though. Mentioning the people that aren't annoyed by, that, by these things. Um, I'll say this. People who observe things recognize that they are wrong, but don't let themselves get annoyed. That's what I envy. But then there are other people that just don't notice. And, and I feel like I'd rather be what I am right now than someone who simply doesn't notice. Because I guarantee you, you're never pushing those two buttons, right? No. You're not like... Oh, I you, you're letting this affect your behavior, right? You know, and just in that same way, like there, are, you know, whether it be the way I drive or the way I react, the way I act in public or whatever, like I try to make sure that like, okay, well, I definitely don't want to be the thing that annoys me. And undoubtedly, I'm sure I'm some, I'm something that annoys somebody else, but at the very least, I'm not this thing, you know what I mean? And so I think our annoyance can, can help us, uh, be better people if we, if we let that be. But I think for me, the, the concern is, is stopping there. You know, I think like I, I'm worried I might actually get in a fight one day. I was at little Caesars the other day, okay. picking up pizza for me and Jen. And, uh, they had just thrown the pizza in the oven. The best for you and Jen, huh? First off, I like nice pizza too. But it was more just like, hey, we're just going to watch Survivor and eat pizza. And when you're watching Survivor, somehow the cheapest pizza is the best. Yeah. Um, and so, I so don't know. I, just, to me, Little Caesars pizza is like, like a souvenir you get that looks cool. Okay. But once you've had it home for a few days, it completely falls apart. Mm-hmm. That's what the hot and ready little Caesars pizza is. Yeah. If you eat it right away, yeah, it tastes like it's hot. It tastes like pizza. It's hot but and it's you, ready. Like you can't even you gotta scarf it down. Yeah, once that thing is a half hour out of its little warmer, it's disgusting. Uh, yeah, it's inedible. <laughs> um, it's it's uh, it's it's like a miracle of science that something can go from actually pretty good uh-huh. to just the worst <laughs> piece of shit yeah. you would ever eat. Um, but uh, but so I was waiting for uh, I ordered a, a cheese and a, and a pepperoni, and they actually said like, oh, there's some coming out of the oven right now. If oh. You'll just wait about seven minutes. Like that's perfect. Yeah, you got a hot one. Um, so I so I was in a situation where I was now waiting, 
and I was, and I, and I saw this guy who was also waiting and he looked very perturbed. And I was able to ascertain based on comments that he was basically shouting um, that he had ordered like a specialty pizza, which is like, I don't even, I didn't even know Little Caesars did that anymore. (laughs) They took specific orders Um, and, you know, they don't deliver anything like that. And so he had, he'd done that. And then I think he'd gotten like all the way home and saw that the the order was wrong. So he had to bring it back and all that and wait for the, the new pizza. And so. So he was just like being really, uh, really huffy and, and stuff and, and just being really vocal. And it's like, look, we've all gotten things, you know, we've all had had orders wrong and it's frustrating. But at the same time, we've also all had jobs where we've made mistakes. And also you, you catch more flies with, uh, what is it? With honey than with vinegar. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so big, if I get like an incorrect charge on my cable bill or phone bill or something sure. and I call up. I'm the nicest person they've yeah. ever met because if you that's treat, how you get results. Yeah. If you treat them like a human being instead yeah. of just this robot that doesn't give, that, that has you no ever, feelings. Like I, I always do this when you call a customer service for any reason mm-hmm. and you ask, how are you today? It's clear. This is the first time they've heard that in days. Oh yeah. It throws them for such a loop. Yeah. Uh, because they'll, they'll often say like, Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Yeah. It's like, that's a very sincere. Thanks. I think. But, um, anyway, so I actually was talking to the, uh, girl behind the register and i said i said i tell you what i said is it possible because i was feeling a weird type of generous is like mm. is it possible to just give this guy a refund and then i'll go ahead and just pay for the pizza myself so that like you guys aren't out any money for the mistake and then this guy can just shut up and uh and she's like she's like no no she's i'll just give him a refund you don't need to worry about that so she gave him a refund uh-huh. and then like when she finally gave him the pizza like he he's like he didn't say thank you. He didn't say anything like that. And as he was leaving, uh-huh. I just said like, how about that refund? Huh? Pretty great. <laughs> and he just kept walking, which is probably a good call. Um, yeah, and but you are going to get in a fight. Someday. I'm going to get in a fight someday. And I just, because it's just like, it, it, it really is that idea. It's like, we're that Seinfeld quote that is, that is becoming truer. Right. We're trying to run a civilization here yeah. and this behavior is shit. Like yeah. you, like, uh, oh, I'm so with you. But, and, and, and that's but the thing. I, like, I, I think, I, I think our goal should be to find the common, the, the middle ground of mm-hmm. recognizing that's awful, doing what yeah. we can to address it, but not letting it shorten our lives. Right. Essentially. And I guess, and that's the thing is like, you know, the, I'm very, I, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm a very principled person. Like I, things bother me on principle. It's like, no, this is wrong on principle yeah. We're you know, we have a, uh, we have to live a certain way. Um, and it's just, and it's one of those things that like last week's discussion, you know, like I can't not be annoyed if somebody is talking and in almost, you know, you know, I now remember exactly where the conversation, Jen and I were out at a nice restaurant and there were people who were at a booth and Wearing were, hats? no, talking okay. very loudly. Cause that's my thing. I know it is. Indoor hats. Yeah. Not cool. Disrespectful. These people were talking so loudly that we, that everyone in the restaurant could hear their conversation. And it's just like, uh, and some people are loud talkers that I get, but like, no, they're just, and they're having a good time. That's fine. But like, it's just like, 
it's a complete lack of self-awareness and i feel like it's like and i make my yeah it's like i make myself miserable by how self-aware i am this is what I'm and just like about. why can't you be like me this which is, is the thing i never say we have gotten to this is the same as to get it back to movies because we haven't talked about movies in a while indeed texting in movie theaters sure this is the same thing we're talking about where there is less and less respect for the idea of a public space. Mm-hmm. People treat public space like private space. Yes. And I think that's, I know this could just me being a curmudgeon and everything, but I really do think it's bad for the fabric of our society. Oh, if absolutely. We don't respect the public space and understand that when you're in public, you're entering into a contract with the other people in yeah. public that we're all going to get along and yeah. abide by the social contract. Yeah. The term social contract is a term that people know. And it's like, what do you think it means? Right. I guess it means we don't murder each other, right. but there are other parts of it, you know, yeah. like that's the extreme one. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is just like, like, I don't want to be a curmudgeon, but I think also the longer I live, the more principled I get, where it's just like, because I think you're better able to see the negative impacts on uh, impact of people's behavior and selfishness and that sort of thing. And so like, so it's tough. I'm in this weird limbo where like, I don't want to lose that awareness, but I can't let, you know, okay. You know what? Listeners can't see this. You see this mark on my arm. Uh huh. Okay. It's this little red blotch. Yeah. It doesn't itch. It's not a rash. It's not contagious. It doesn't ooze anything. It's just a perfect red circle. What is it? I looked it up. It's stress. It's oh. completely stress related. It's like the thing that happens on my hands. Like that's the people at the restaurant, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, I, I literally like my, my stress is like, it physicalizes right. and it's like, and my dad died of a heart attack. Like I can't let this, this is what I'm saying happen. Gotta, yeah. You know? And so this is what I used to talk about with my therapist. Yeah. And so, and I guess I'm kind of using this as therapy a little bit. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm letting, I'm letting you guys behind the curtain listeners yeah. that like the, the conversation that was had last week, uh, in a joking way actually caused like some real echoes in my life. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know. And I don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to change it. Again, it has to be in the middle. It has to be nuanced. It can't be complete lack of awareness right. or just furious all the time. I'm with you. Ugh. But okay. So, you know, those people listening to videos out loud on their phones. Yeah. That man, if only, if you only they what, would like get like an, a nice pair of earbuds or something You know something where like they that. can do that? Where is that? Have you ever heard of tweaked audio? It's a great website. Hmm. They make professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles, styles and colorful colors. Okay. Um, uh, and if you go to tweakedaudio.com, that's where you find all this stuff. Absolutely. Fantastic. They're great earbuds. I use mm-hmm. them all the live long day. Indeed. If you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, mm-hmm. you get everything I just talked about for one third off and no shipping charges. Holy shit. It's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Let's, let's finally talk about Comic-Con. Yeah. The thing are, are you, all are, our are, listeners have been waiting for. Are you, are you like put off by, by the thing at the top? Like, no, I loved you? it. I, okay. If, if we didn't have a topic that we agreed to talk about today, I would just talk about that. Like no, I said, no I question about it. In a few months, <laughs> I would just talk about that all day. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I mostly use my other podcast for therapy. So yeah. this one is when I just uh, am heightened and ridiculous. Now, I had a blast at Comic-Con this year, and we'll talk about that. Um, I do kind of feel like this might be 
a shorter Comic-Con wrap-up episode. Sure. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because we're a movie podcast, and I saw very few movie-related things. Like, I, I, I tend to see a lot of, go to a lot of TV stuff and other stuff at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. This year, other than, like, the first two things I saw, it was all television. I saw very little in the way of movie panels this year. Yeah. But let's go day by Me day. too. Because I want to talk about preview night. This was your first preview night. Yeah, theoretically. Here's what happened. Um, oh, I want to hear this. So, you know the concept of a sleep debt? No. Basically, you know, everybody... It, people say it's eight hours, but, like, everybody needs a certain amount of sleep a night if they're going to operate. And... Often what will happen is, for, for people is like if they're, if they're busy and they're doing something like they'll get five hours of sleep one night instead of seven or eight. Okay. But then the next day they don't make up for it. And so they get like another five hours. So now the hours of sleep they're not getting are starting to add up and now they owe sleep. Okay. And is this scientific? I feel like it's not. Uh, no, it's like a real thing. Okay. Um, I mean, that's why like after a long, like a week of just like working and working and working, like you could potentially sleep all day. It's like, because your, your body is catching up on that. Um, that's my secret. I could always sleep all day. (laughs) (laughs) That's a weird place to go. I gotta say. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, I had not been sleeping very well and then mine, and then I drove down to San Diego, uh, late Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning, arriving around three thirty a.m. and going to bed probably about four thirty, and I had not s- slept well for like two weeks, and so then I slept until about one, and I thought like, okay, well, you know what, I'm gonna go lay by the pool and get mm-hmm. a nice tan. So I did, and uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna shower, and you know what, I'm gonna take a, qu- a little forty five minute nap because I'm still a little sleepy, and then I'm gonna go get my credentials i'm gonna do some preview night stuff gonna be great Uh it would appear that i uh just turned my alarm off and i had it set on two different devices by the way and uh, in my sleep like i don't i'm not doing this so i woke up at 9 (laughs) p.m and i'm like well it's too late to get my badge so and i don't want this day to be a total bust so i guess i'll go see a movie alone so that's when i went and saw dope okay and uh so yeah my my first ever preview night was uh, not uh, what i wanted it to be okay well i went to preview night okay i picked up some exclusives uh the uh uh every year i like to go to the this is the third year in a row that fox has done this where mm-hmm. they uh put out some of their blu-rays with uh comic-con exclusive art i thought they weren't going to do that this year they announced them literally the day before like, oh, okay. uh, like yeah when we did our preview episode i was like i guess they're not doing it and huh. then literally like july 7th i think a lot of not just people like attendees but a lot of like sponsors and companies like were thrown off by how early comic-con is mm. this year i really do get that impression that it was like sort of a surprise would be like oh it's it's already comic-con <laughs> um because it wasn't it was it's usually late july yeah um it's been early july before though i don't know anyway uh this was an early comic-con uh anyway so i picked up the terminator okay and here's here was my plan when i looked at the list i was like all right i normally get three i think i'm just gonna get two Okay. This time I'm going to get the Terminator and we get big trouble in little China. Okay. I went up to the counter. I said, yeah, I'll get the Terminator 
Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. And then I heard so myself. Far, so far, so good. Yeah. And then I heard myself say, and Super Troopers. <laughs> so I got a uh, Super Troopers Blu-ray. Like Comic-Con Almost by accident. Super Troopers. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I actually, I do like to actually buy uh, and read and talk about comic books at mm-hmm. Comic-Con increasingly. Um, I do sort of credit Comic-Con with getting me more into comic books. Mm-hmm. And I guess I've gone through periods in my youth where I was like into them for a while. Uh, but it never stuck. But I do feel like going to Comic-Con and WonderCon every year has gotten me into a mindset of like, comics are great. I should read more comics. Yeah, uh, I, I I wish I had the time to get into them. You know, it's one of those kind of things. Because the ones that I've read, I mean, I read them a lot when I was younger. But like, since then, like, you know, you gave me like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and I've read Watchmen and stuff later. like that. Yeah. And um, it was like, these are amazing. And it's just like, I literally, I can't let myself get into them because then I'll be into them. Yeah, you got to be, uh, I, I found myself into show a lot of restraint. Um, but I, I, I picked up uh, uh, a trade paperback with a variant cover at uh, Image for a title called Nowhere Men. Okay. Which is fantastic. I read it on the train ride home. Okay. It's so good. Uh, it's basically, I guess... I guess it's technically like a superhero origin story of like a new team of superheroes, but it's nothing like what you think that is. Okay. It's like this, um, it it takes place in like, this is, and this is so up my alley. This is so nerdy and up my alley, but it takes place in like an alternate past where like in the eighties, uh, uh, in England, a group called world world corp, a technology company was started by four really cool guys. And so in this version of our history, our net, our, you know, world history, science became really cool. Like okay. scientists are like celebrities now. Oh, that's neat. So I think it doesn't say, but I feel, I feel like the nowhere men thing, I get the impression it takes place in like the nineties, but it's way more technically advanced than we are now. Hmm. Uh, because so much energy and attention has been paid to science and development and innovation. Um, and then there's one sort of amoral, one of the guys who splits from the company is sort of amoral and develops this serum, this like blood DNA thing where he essentially, I guess it's essentially X-Men. He's creating. Oh, okay. And so this company, uh, a rival company has like a remote, uh, research base that's actually in space on a space station mm-hmm. and this guy unbeknownst to the company sneaks some of the serum aboard and so these 12 scientists these 12 men and women get transformed essentially into uh i guess eventually superheroes so far they're not saving the world or anything right. it's only six six issues so far but uh i i can't wait to read more of it there isn't any more of it yet that's the thing with image yeah yeah is that like the best thing about it, the great thing about image is that the creators own their own work work. I guess the other thing is that they're not beholden to any schedule because of yeah, that. Yeah, that's the problem. So like, it's like there's six issues. They don't have a they don't have a cigar chomping editor being yeah. like, I need the, yeah. uh, the next issue of Nowhere Men on my desk. Yeah. So I read these six issues and I was like, This is incredible. Where's the next trade paperback? Oh, there hasn't been an issue in a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, so that's where Nowhere Men is. But uh that's what and then I went to a party, uh saw some okay. of our friends, um Amy. Nicholson. Oh yeah. She she does. She doesn't do comic con. She goes to the preview night parties. Oh, fair enough. And then she goes home. So that's the only, the only chance you get to see Amy, uh, at comic con preview night. 
Um, so yeah, hung out there it's and weird. then, uh, yeah, that was preview night. Okay. Uh, what did you do on Thursday? Thursday? I, uh, woke up bright and early because, uh, my sleep schedule is completely off uh-huh. and, um, and I went to, uh, the a panel that you and I talked about, uh, studio chiefs speak out. Oh, this um, one got juicy, right? They really got into it. Peeling back layers. Uh, I feel like you're being sarcastic. You feel correctly. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I was, uh, and actually, um, uh, film critic Matt Singer was at the same uh, panel, and he and I talked afterwards about it. And uh, he was, sorry, he wasn't like a part of the panel. He he's wasn't like moderating or anything. So well, he wasn't moderating or anything okay. like that. He was just there. And, uh, and so, um, he and I were talking afterwards and just talking about like, and th- this was a, con- this was a genuine concern of mine that like the studio chiefs are going to be very self-preserving. They'll talk a little bit about like why something doesn't work, but like they, they even came out and specifically said at the beginning, like the moderator said, like, you know, we don't want to get into any specifics, like we don't want to give specific titles or anything like that. We don't want to like hurt people's feelings. And part of me is just like, yeah, obviously I don't want people's feelings hurt, but a movie that doesn't work is one that we all know didn't work. Right. You know, right. you're not going to, you know, if you, if you give a name of like something you worked on and you're disappointed with the way it performed either critically or, uh, financially, you know, you, you're not you're not uh, breaking any news to us, and you're probably not burning any bridges either. Like, you don't have to say, "Oh, is this damn executive over here that did it?" Like, you right. can just you can just talk about, "Hey, this is this is what it is." Like, there's yeah. a major risk anytime you put uh, a movie out, and so. But they're trying to pretend like Green Lantern was a big hit or something. Exactly, that's what it. I don't know, um, but it's. Uh, so more than anything, it was just a little bit guarded. It was, I mean, it was refreshing in some ways because these are, you know, my guess is any studio chief that they would send to Comic-Con is one that probably would represent the company best. Uh, so these were people who genuinely were invested artistically in the movies they made. Like they want, they talked about like, you know, we do want to make a good movie. Obviously we want it to do well, but we want to make a good movie. And especially if it's, you know, and they talk about the kind of material that people at Comic-Con would be interested in, like, you know, stuff based on young adult novels or whatever. And just, uh, paper towns. What? Oh, that, yeah, that looks terrible. That looks, I liked the fault in our stars. So I, I know. And, uh, I didn't see it, but, uh, but this looks so much more like that. Uh, what's that? What's the Nathan Rabin thing? The manic, uh, Oh, Manic, Manic Pixie, Pixie Dream, Dream Girl. Girl. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't seen that a trailer, quality to it. But I know the main character in Paper Towns, okay. his favorite band, or her favorite band, I don't even know that much about it. I think it's, it's more from his perspective. Okay. Favorite band is the Mountain Goats. Oh, all right. Which is my favorite band, which means it could go either way. <laughs> that could be like, oh, that'd be great. That sounds like a movie for me. Or this could be two hours of me gritting my teeth. <laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, so the panel was, you know, it was, it was interesting. It wasn't remarkably informative. If anything, I actually came away thinking like, boy, I, I, I know that most executives probably are not like these people. And I wish they were. If everybody, if, if everybody, or, and maybe well, these people and maybe, are probably not like, I was going to say, and maybe these people aren't like it either, but like yeah. 
if this attitude, if even a fraction of this attitude is actually there, I feel like studios would be, I, there'd be better movies out there. Um, but you know, there aren't. And so it wound up being, uh, something of a learning experience, but also definitely, uh, a, a nice study in uh, spin. Um, what else? Uh, well, I walked the floor, got some Riddler stuff. It was great. And this, and I decided I was going to, I was going to tweet more, uh, from Comic-Con and I did when my phone wasn't dead, which was frequently, um, got your backup battery. I know I did too many Comic-Cons looking for outlets. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and then I was actually going to go, uh, cause they incorporated the library this year and I was going to go to a panel there, uh, that was about Christian comic books, more specifically the bad ones. Oh. The, and so, and I was like, that sounds great. Yeah. Just a bunch of superiority. That's this is going to be wonderful. Um, but I was not feeling well. Uh, and so I was like, like my stomach wasn't doing well. And I was just like, I don't know. I was feeling very fatigued and suddenly, and so I was just like, you know what? Like, cause I wanted to go to the, the meetup, mm-hmm. uh, later on. So I actually went back to my hotel which was no, no mean feat. Cause it's, you know, yeah. there's a train ride there. Um, but, and I, and I like laid and I like just laid down and relaxed and stuff and actually started feeling a lot better. And then I came back okay. and felt okay for the rest of the day. And then actually, uh, at the meetup, uh, wasn't feeling super great there, but I, I left after we'll like, the meetup in a, a couple hours. But anyway, I, so then I went to, or do you want me to just basically go through my whole day or do you want me to jump throw to you now? Oh, so you came back to more panels after you I went to your, one more panel. Okay. What is it? it's going to be hard not to do this curmudgeon, uh, curmudgeon thing. Okay. That's fine, but I'm okay with it. Cause I can back it up. Um, I went to the beloved villains panel, okay. in which they talk about like the, the favorite villains and all that. Uh, now as I'm sure you can relate to, uh, when you go to comic con and they, and you go to a panel that is tackling something that you definitely have an opinion on as a film fan, uh-huh you need to take it with a grain of salt because while there is a lot of, while you are a nerd and these people are nerds, it's a very different kind of nerdery. Like they may like, you may like or even love some of the movies that these people love, but they're probably not going to love the movies that you love. They're not going to be talking about picnic at hanging rock. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? There's a, yeah. And even if they are into that stuff, Mm -hmm. There's a certain element, and this is me putting it, the blame back on you. Tyler. Oh, okay. There's a certain element of leaving that stuff at home when you come to Comic Con. Oh, sure, and I usually do. Um, but uh, but what I was, you know, the idea was I was excited to hear people sort of dissect. I wasn't expecting any groundbreaking stuff, but like sort of dissecting why villains work so well and why people respond to it. Why people might say like, Oh, I love that villains. Like this is a person, this is a person that you're rooting against. Why are you responding to them so positively? And they did try to do that and that was fine, but it was really just like, there's a, you know, they're talking about like the villains that they love. And, and, and that's the thing is just like, even within the like, comic book nerd or the sci-fi nerd or whatever, or fantasy, whatever you want to say, even within that community, there are the obvious answers and the less obvious answers. I say this as somebody that's a fan of the Riddler. And meanwhile, the Joker gets all the press. Like, um, so, you know what I mean? Like they, this is like what we talked about on the movie journal about 
picking your favorite Adventure Time character, sure, and not wanting to say Finn or Jake because it's too obvious. It's too obvious, and just and but that's the thing, like because the conversation. To, let's go with that because the conversation has already been had so much about Finn and Jake. It's like. Well, let's use this opportunity to explore somebody else that maybe isn't talked about that much. Lemon grab. Absolutely. Which is your favorite, right? I think so. I, I, if I, miss, I also love Marceline the Vampire Queen. Mm-hmm. You know, Peppermint Butler. Big fan of Peppermint Butler. At the Adventure Time panel this year, they said there'd be more Meemaw next up next uh, okay. season. You don't know who Meemaw is. I've only seen the first season, and I love Tree Trunks. <laughs> Tree Trunks is great. So. Uh, sorry, so go on. Uh, but I, to me, I think first off, uh, one of the people on the panel is an actor who, uh, is on Spartacus or has been on Spartacus. And he also played the role of Azog, the defiler in the Hobbit movies. So he's a Kiwi and I believe he's specifically Maori. Um, and so he's interesting to a point. And then I remembered, Oh, right. Actors are kind of full of shit uh-huh. uh, a lot of the time. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure he was remarkably talented. And anytime he was talking about his process, it was fascinating. Like playing a villain. Mm-hmm. Like how he made this, how he as a person could relate to this villain. Very interesting. And like he knows his craft. That's great. But then he was also talking about, he, he decided to talk about larger things as well. And, uh, that's when it was just like, okay, buddy, I, I got it. Yes. You're very important. And, and that's the thing is like in that room, he was very important. He's the actor and actors, people in front of the camera are always going to be given priority in their comments as opposed to like, you know, the, the film writers and, and, and magazine writers and stuff on the panel anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is the only panel that I have ever actually gotten up to ask a question in. Uh-huh. I did not get to ask my, there were three of us. The first two guys got to ask their question, but because this damn actor was taking so long answering them, Stupid actors. they couldn't even get to my question. I was actually quite happy with my question. Um, but I'll get to that. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, I think what bothered me, and this goes to this idea of like, like, come on, there's the obvious answer and then let's move on to something else. Um, somebody asked female villains, who are your favorite female villains? And I know that you yourself would probably be excited about that question because, um, I feel like we don't get a whole lot of them now. You know where I go. Eva green in, in 300 eyes. Right. Obviously. And Sandra Bernhardt and Hudson Hawk. Obviously. I mean, that was, I, I knew that that was part of my question. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah. And the place, and here's the thing, like this is an example of me trying to leaving my stuff at the, at the, at the door. My first thought is Mrs. Eisland from the Manchurian Candidate played by Angela Lansbury. Right. And then like Phyllis Dietrichson in Double Indemnity. Well, I'm not going to say that the people in the room don't know who those people are or they haven't seen the film. Like, I don't mean to say that like these people are dumb or even ignorant. It's just like, this is not the venue to talk about those characters. Right. But anyway, so favorite villains. And then like the person on uh, the first person on the panel, it's like, it's like, well, you know, I got to say. I think these days I'm really leaning towards Harley Quinn. I'm like, Harley fucking Quinn. Seriously. 
That's it's oh you're leaning towards the person that we see constantly at Comic Con every everywhere we look like yeah. you're gonna focus on this no no Catwoman no Poison Ivy nothing like that you'll go with Harley Quinn one of the most like fashionable villains to talk about right now and probably for the last five years right. and certainly like a staple of Comic Con that's who you're gonna go with wow mm-hmm. you you went about an inch deep for that one that's yeah. really fascinating and it's just yeah. like you know what actor I like who's that Robert Downey Jr. yeah it's yeah he's all you know he's all right. <laughs> um, it, it's just, it's one of those kind of things. And it's just like, you know, it, it, and, and don't get me wrong. Like Harley Quinn is an interesting villain, but if that's what, if that's your answer when it's like female villains and that's, that's your go-to and it's, it just, it, it bothered me so yeah. much because it's just like, like some panels I've gone to, and that's, to me, that's the fun of going to like lower profile panels is you can actually get some really interesting, genuinely in-depth discussion sometimes. Yeah. Other times you get this, it's about as superficial as you want. And it's, and it's there. Nobody's saying anything you don't already know or think. Well, um, let's put a pin in the stupid questions discussion. Cause we're going to get back to it. Okay. Well, can I tell you what my question was going to be? Oh yes. 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 Okay. I was going to go up and uh, I was going to say that when we talk about our favorite villains, they are often villains that engage in a kind of evil that we're all kind of comfortable with. Whether it could be thievery, it could be, you know, con artists, it could be even murder. We're, we're actually kind of okay with that. But there are villains that do things that we don't like to talk about and are actually horrible. Um, but that doesn't make them any less memorable. And then I would bring up, in my opinion, the best villain in all of film, which mm-hmm. is Noah Cross from Chinatown. Right. Now he's a villain who has done some pretty horrible things that you don't want to think about or talk about. And so I would say like, who are some villains that you guys that who make you uncomfortable that you feel like still deserve to be part of the conversation. I don't question. think that's a bad question. Yeah. Um, I don't know who I'd say though. Yeah. I mean, Noah Cross is definitely my, yeah. my, you got, you my got go-to one to there, but I mean, Henry portrait of a serial killer. Everything yeah. about that is very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, we can, we can, all right. My, my Thursday, I'll start with, uh, maybe, maybe one of the best, probably one of the what best panels I saw at Comic-Con, mm-hmm. which I didn't know anything about. Walked into hall H pretty much walked in to hall H Thursday. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, there's always at some point in the day, you can always do that. Um, or at some point of the, the comic on not at some point of every day. Uh, but, um, the, I wanted to see the hunger games, uh, mocking J part two panel mm-hmm. before that I figured I'd just sit through the open road panel. Yeah. Right. All it said on the schedule was whatever time to whatever time open road. That's yeah. it. So let's go down. They start playing a trailer for a very not Comic-Con movie, a, mm-hmm. a Barry Levinson comedy called Rock the Casbah. Yeah. Which stars Bill Murray. And in the trailer, there's a scene where he uh, is sort of dancing around a campfire, singing yeah. Smoke on the Water to a group of Afghanis. It yeah. has to do with the rock promoter being stranded in Afghanistan. That's what the movie's about. And then the trailer ends, and then the strains of Smoke on the Water, that, that sick riff, that yeah. tasty riff from Smoke on the Water... It's pumped into the crowd. Bill Murray comes walking not out on a stage through the crowd in character, singing smoke on the water, sits down, a- answers a few questions in character and then becomes Bill Murray and just spends an hour or I guess at that point, you know, 50 minutes or whatever 
just answering questions as Bill Murray. Yeah. It was so great. Of course. I've been, no, I, and, I, and I've gotten on, I've gotten down on Bill Murray sometimes hmm. when these stories come up about him, like, Oh, did you hear he showed up at some party and started washing uh, dishes or yeah. it's like, fuck you, Bill Murray, like live your own life. People are trying to have fun. Don't make everything about you. That's yeah, how yeah. I feel. I take all that back because he was so delightful. He yeah. can show up and wash dishes at my house party. anytime he wants. Um, but speaking of shitty questions, someone, Ugh. no, cause here's, here's I'm what I'm already, I'm already cringing no, about a good panel is a good panelist. Mm. And I saw a lot of good panelists at this comic con, which means that no matter how shitty the question is, it's worth seeing how they're going to answer it. So someone got up and waited in line to ask Bill Murray the question, what was the most fun part about making the movie? <laughs> which is the dumbest question that you always get at these sort of things. I don't understand. I think this person just wanted to say, I said words to Bill Murray. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. Right. What Bill was- Murray is aware I existed for a moment. Yeah. So he said, what was the most fun part about making the movie? Really dumb question. Right. But then Bill Murray goes into this extemporaneous soliloquy mm-hmm. about an, on a day off going to a, rooftop restaurant in Morocco and the feeling of the wind and this, these musicians who are playing music that is a millennia old yeah. while he's just this guy from Illinois and getting to experience. He has this, it's this beautiful yeah. soliloquy that he has. And that's what you get with a good panelist. It doesn't yeah. matter how stupid the question is. Yeah. You get a great answer. Well, and like, and that's a dumb question, but it's also really general. Like, right. it, so he could answer any, any number of ways. And the fact that he chose to answer what, you know, you know, he could have made a joke, Yeah, but he'd been making jokes the whole panel. Like yeah, he, he, showed, he chose to, yeah. Uh, that sounds someone, great. Someone did ask him about the the question, the the stories of him like doing things and saying mm-hmm. no one will ever believe you. And he said, "Are those true?" And he said, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> <laughs> and everyone laughed. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really good panel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I wish I, I don't know if it's online somewhere. People tend to record these panels, and there's not yeah. exclusive footage in the panel, so you could probably just watch the whole thing if it's online. Probably, yeah, worth doing. And then uh, next was the Hunger Games panel which is what I was excited for. But after an hour, Bill Murray, it's kind of a, I don't know. It's, it was moderated by Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Which you think great, but I think, I feel like Conan O'Brien was in San Diego to do his show for four nights. Mm -hmm. And this was something he was just doing in, he's like, you know, finishing up and I got an hour and a half to get to where I need to be. Uh, He just felt weirdly shackled for Conan Conan O'Brien. I felt Mm -hmm. like he was like, these are the questions Lionsgate gave me to ask. I'll make a joke here and there. Yeah. Like an innocuous joke. You know, he said, you know, like, uh, this is a very Conan Bryant type of thing to say. He was like, welcome to hall H the best hall. In my opinion, <laughs> that's a very Conan Bryant. Type that is thing. very much so. Um, so it was that sort of thing. And then, um, it really had this feel. It was like the panel, the panable, the Hannibal panel would be mm-hmm. a couple of the, a couple of days later. This was this the final Hunger Games panel because yeah. they're coming up to the last movie. So it was a lot of this sort of the cast, like they probably haven't even seen each other in a while because they've been yeah. wrapped. So this is, it seemed like a cast reunion and, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and, uh, Josh Hutcherson and, um, Liam, Liam Hemsworth are all, uh, they seem to like each other quite a bit. And okay. so there was, it was nice and touching, but here's what I'll say. That I, I say this every year, and I'm not going to back down, even though studios are not going to listen to me. Watch out. There used to be a time when going to 
a panel for a movie at Comic-Con meant seeing a scene from the movie often. Sure. Like, hey, this is, you know, don't record this with your phones. The color timing isn't done. This is temp music. There's no effects. But here's a scene from the movie that we have cut together. You never get that anymore. Now they just get the extended Comic-Con exclusive trailer. Right, right. It's just another fucking trailer. I don't like trailers. I liked that when... In 2010, even though I never ended up seeing the movie because everyone told me it was terrible, but when Cowboys and Aliens had mm-hmm. a panel, we saw the whole opening sequence of the movie. Yeah. Like, you don't get that anymore. You you just get these long trailers, you know? When I saw yeah. the Haywire panel, we mm. saw the Gina Carano-Michael Fassbender oh, yeah. uh, fight scene in its entirety, l- including her shooting him in the face at the end, yeah. which was kind of a spoiler at the time. I guess it was a spoiler now, too, if you haven't seen Haywire, yeah. but she totally shoots him right in the face at yeah. the end of the fight. It's brutal. Um, you guys totally should have seen it. I blew it for you. Um, <laughs> but I miss that sort of thing. Now it's just... Hey, here's a special trailer. No one's seen this trailer before yet. Fuck you. I don't need to see any trailers. I don't like trailers. Yeah. I want to see some footage. I want to see a scene from the movie yeah. that makes it worth the, all the, you know, buying the ticket. Uh, not that I have to buy a ticket. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, CCI. Um, but like waiting in line in the hotel room and all that stuff, it makes it worth it that you, you group of people, you 6,500 people, whoever's in hall age, yeah. you get to see this and you could tweet about it or whatever, but this is exclusive for you. Yeah. And now and when you think of like an extended trailer is really just like, okay, well what's a regular trailer? A regular trailer is like probably some voiceover and then like, I don't know, uh, three seconds of a shot here, four right, seconds. Right, right. So it's just like, okay, it's another minute of three seconds of shots here and there. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And I know some people, some comic con devotees get annoyed that these trailers that are comic con exclusives end up getting posted online. Right. Later that day. That doesn't annoy me. What annoys me is the showing us fucking trailers to begin with. Yeah. I want to see scenes. I want to see the kind of stuff you can't leak. Yeah. I want to see something special. You, you never get it anymore. It's a real bummer. It's a real bummer. I hate it. And that's why I probably don't think, uh, I mean, I barely went to Hall H partially because the wristband policy was nuts this year and it's a huge long wait. But to me, that wait isn't worth it anymore because you don't get to see the kind of stuff you used to see Hmm. anyway. Um, so after that, I had some time to kill and I went over to Indigo ballroom where I was one of like 19 people who was there for the new TV land panel, Hmm. which is about how TV land has dark comedies now and they don't look that great, but Michael (laughs) Ian black and, uh, Alison Brie were the moderators. And, uh, I like that again, this is, this is like Bill Murray being a great panelist. If you got a good moderator, it's going to be a good panel no matter what. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love Alison Brie as an act, as an actor, um, Mike Lee and black was better as a moderator because he's a, like a comedian. He's sure. A, he's used to live stage performing. Yeah. Well, and just how to move, move things along and make jokes. Well, and you gotta be, and like you have to be able to think on your feet. Like somebody says something and it's like, Oh, I will, I will incorporate that into my next question. Right. Or maybe I'll, it's like, Oh, they said that. And that's actually, that actually reminds me of a question that I'll be, that I meant to be asking in like, Right. 10 minutes, but I'll ask it now because it, it helps the flow of conversation. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like as a guy who probably who has like improv experience, like he knows, oh, this is this is the way to keep this yeah. going and make it interesting. Yeah. So that was I was worth it. It was a fun time. But it, I did feel bad for them because no one was in the Indigo Ballroom on Thursday. Oh, I, when I went to the library, I was early for the, the 
that Christian thing. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I stopped in to look at, to just kind of take a look at the little venue there. And there are like seven people wow. for this one thing that involved like, a, I don't, I don't even remember what it was. I could probably look it up, but, um, the, uh, there was like a young actor who was in this film and I think the director was with him. And then there was a moderator and I just found myself wondering, it's like, I wonder if it, if this panel were in the main convention hall, I bet people would see it. Right. But I feel like people are like, the library is too far away or, or whatever. It it's far away, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like a seven to 10 minute walk. Is it like, I mean, it's had a, you know, parties. you know where it is. It's it's almost right by. Okay, the the place where we ate Saturday night. The sushi. It's almost right there. Oh, okay. Um, that's not for any listener. No listeners care about yeah. where the sushi place was. Yeah, that's just for you. Um, you asked me. The, the listeners didn't but, ask me. You uh, asked me. Let me finish up with Thursday panels. Okay. With something. This is comic book related, but it was something I was very excited about. Was the spotlight on Jonan Vasquez? Yes, yes. Because I am a John of the Homicidal Maniac fan from way back. Mm-hmm. I was a fan of Squee, mm-hmm. and then he went on and did Invader Zim, yes. which is now a comic book. Which they had a lot. Of, I I was overwhelmed by how many different variant covers they had for invaders in mm-hmm. issue one at comic-con so i bought none of them <laughs> i was like i can't make a decision i will wait and see i'm going to trade weight on uh invaders in here um never heard that term before <laughs> oh we we comic book readers use that term uh why don't you get out of my house <laughs> all right <laughs> um but the spotlight on jordan vasquez was delightful mm. because he uh it's just you know what you were talking about the studio, studio I, yeah, being like yeah, diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Vasquez has zero of that. Yeah, he was felt free to talk shit mostly about his own fans mm-hmm. to a room full of his own fans, yeah. but in this way because he's like he's it was like conspiratorial. Yeah. He was like, listen, not you guys here, yeah. but some of these fans yeah. are crazy. Um, you guys get it, yeah, obviously. Exactly. Uh, but he talked about all the, like the crazy obsessive fan mail he got, or the fan mail that he gets from people who think they should they they people who thought they should have been running Invaders in or something. Oh my! <laughs> like just very presumptuous, and also people who uh, and I think you this is something that uh, a lot of comedians get right on social mm-hmm. media. Uh, the idea that well, this person's a comedian makes uh, jokes. Yeah. So I'm going to make a joke. I'm going to say something shitty that's comedian, but we're going to bond over it because I'm yeah, being yeah. funny. But yeah. it's like, no, this person, you're not on stage. This is not the venue. This person doesn't know you. Yeah. It's weird to do that. And yeah. so Jonah Vasquez talked about getting a lot of people being creepy in the way that Johnny the Homicidal Maniac is creepy. But he's a character in a comic book. Yes. And it uh, should be noted, he's a homicidal maniac. Right, yeah. And uh, they are hopefully not. Yes. Um, and he also talked, he, he talked a lot about the things if you've read John and the homicide. Yeah. Maniac, this is addressed in the book too. Like people who think Johnny is cool in a way that Jonan Vasquez was not okay with. Yeah. Because he is, um, you know, it's not just a clever name. Homicide maniac. Yeah. He is insane. Yeah. And he murders people graphically. And there's a certain sense of like distance, like there's a dark comedy to it and a certain sense of release to it. Yeah. But you're not actually supposed to idolize Johnny. I think that's the point. He talked a lot about that. Has there ever, has there ever been any, <laughs> any talk of, uh, turning that into a movie? Uh, I, he, ta- I don't know if there has been, he talked about that sort of idea a little bit and that he, 
the impression I got is that if that were to happen, he would rewrite it. It wouldn't be a straight adaptation. Right. Because he talked about, like, Johnny was just someone he drew from a really young age, and Slave Labor Graphics was like, make a comic book about this. And that's why the first few issues have, like, very little narrative through line, because he just, like, all he had ever done was come up with, hey, what's a situation where Johnny could get upset and then kill people? Yeah. And so he just, like, did that for three issues and then decided okay, I guess I'll make a story. And so I guess he was saying that if he ever did it, ever adapted it for something or had a chance to no. do it again or do a sequel, which he actually has, apparently he has had an idea for a second run of Johnny comics for years hmm. um, and hasn't done, but he would be more focused on the story of it. Yeah. Um, Cause eventually the story of Johnny does get weird and complex, but uh, not for, there's a few issues of just him killing people first. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, it turns a little, uh, Oh hell! I can't even think of uh, his name. Shoot, the guy who uh, cr- um, like HP Lovecraftian yeah. a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's the demon behind <laughs> yeah. the wall that he yeah. has to keep painting with blood, or else the demon gets out. There's yep. also the uh, dead gerbil or chipmunk or something. That yeah, he one of the yeah yeah. He killed like a rodent and nailed it to the wall, and then that becomes his conscience because it talks to him. <laughs> yeah, and then at one point he goes to heaven and hell. It gets really complex. Yeah. I would like to reread it and see if I, was, I still... I was just thinking that, yeah. See if it holds up or if it's just like, this is what I liked when I was 17. Um, Could be that. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked it at the time. Um, but he also talked... This is my favorite thing. One of my favorite things that Jonah Vasquez said, which is that uh, Sam Raimi is dead to him and that the Spider-Man movies killed Sam Raimi because he doesn't like... He basically was saying that he would only... He only ever wants to do his own original work. Um... And uh, when when directors that he likes join franchises, oh, speaking of our Uh, weirdly prescient, our episode last week turned out to be weirdly prescient for this conversation, uh, it bums him out. And so he doesn't like Sam Raimi anymore. And I would have liked to have said, hey, what about Drag Me to Hell? Exactly. That was pretty good. Uh, Hey, uh, asshole. Go go watch that movie. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was more, but he was a lot of fun. And then we we had our meetup Thursday night. Yeah, that was, and that was fun. I like the venue. I like that bar a lot. Yeah. I, hope, I hope they let us keep doing it there. Yeah, that'd be really great. And it was nice to see people. That I think, you know... Uh, when I ran into Doug Jones on the way to our meetup, he didn't come to the meetup, but I ran into yeah. him on the way. He gave you a big hug, undoubtedly. Two, two hugs. Two hugs, yeah. He talked for maybe 20 seconds, but it started and ended with a big hug. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to go back to uh, kind of the the larger my larger emotional reaction to Comic Con this year, it was a little strange. Partially, I, I did have to leave early. I'll say that I had to leave because sa- a friend was getting married on Sunday, and so um, I had to leave Saturday night. And I don't like to do that. I like to stay the whole time. And as bittersweet as it is to stay until the end, uh-huh. um, I do like to do it um, as much as I can. And I so it's, Sunday at Comic Con is always like I gotta like gird myself because I know yeah. that I'm going to get sad. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway. but we're not Sunday. We're not at Sunday yet. Right. We're right. Talking about our meetup. Um, Everyone showed up. Right. What? All our friends showed up at our meetup. Yeah. I, was, I, I always like, well, what I was going to say is that like, uh, there's a social element to Comic-Con that I really like. And there are people like Kate calls like, I didn't really get to talk to her very much. And that, that bummed me out. Um, and if I'd stayed till Sunday, I probably could have gotten to, to hang out with her. But, um, but yeah, the people that, that went, uh, I'm trying to think of like the various friends of the show that were there on, on Let's Thursday. See. Um, Patrick Starr. Yeah. Terrence Johnson. Yeah. Aaron Newworth. Mm-hmm. Dan Gvazdan. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson. Yeah. Um, Mariah Gates. Mm-hmm. Kate Kolzik, who's not a friend of the show, because never been on the show, but uh, That's right. she's a friend of ours. Um, who else who's been on the show was there? I feel like we've got, I'm going to insult someone. Uh, who else has been on the show? I, f- I feel like we might be missing one person, but I'm not 100% sure about that, actually. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, Ryan Gallagher and Matt Patterson mm-hmm. uh, were there because they were the co-hosts of the thing. We got free. Did you get a free DVD? I did. I got a free DVD. What, which did you get? Clash by Night, okay. a Fritz Lang movie. I got Fingers, starring uh, Harvey Keitel. Cool. Which cool. I had heard good things about. Uh, but yeah, we had a, a blast. And if you came out and we met you, thank you so much for coming out. It was yeah. a lot of fun. I should write down names because between the time, like the drunken time on a Thursday night and the following Thursday when we do the wrap-up episode, yeah. I forget who all I've met. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, a really good time. And thank you for coming. And we'll do it again next year, hopefully at the same venue. Because Yeah, really I liked, I really liked that venue a lot. Um, so Okay, so that's Thursday. Friday... We can knock out real quick because you and I spent the whole day together. Yeah. Oh, very rare you know, for Comic-Con. David. You know what? It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. But you <laughs> missed the beginning. You weren't in there for the Cartoon Network stuff. We were in Indigo right. Ballroom all day, which Indigo Ballroom is like the hip room. It kind of. Yeah, because it's not at the convention center. It's next to the convention center. Yeah. And it also tends to have well, like the adult swim type stuff. It tends to have stuff a little bit more on the like quote unquote edgy like, yeah well, it's, it's the com- it's the comedy room really yeah it really is and so indigo ballroom is always a fun place and we spent our entire saturday our entire friday in there uh it started with in the morning with the the kids stuff the cartoon network stuff which is great i mean i don't watch three of the four shows or four of the five shows that were there it was supposed to be two panels right okay one was for um uh, uncle grandpa and another a oh, regular show okay and the second one was for Adventure Time and Steven Universe. Okay. But it ended up being just one long panel because Bobby Moynihan was moderating both. Oh, okay. Great moderator. And in between, in what would have normally been a space in between the two panels, they used as a sort of mini panel for We Bear Bears, which is a new uh, hmm. Cartoon Network show that Bobby Moynihan does a voice on. Um, so it ended up just being like two solid hours of cartoon network stuff. There was a lot of fun. They showed clips. I don't, again, I don't watch most of these shows except for adventure time, but adventure yeah. time was great because, um, Finn, the Jeremy Shada who does Finn. Yeah. He's still a young person. So I'll keep most of my opinions to myself, but he needs to grow out of some things. I, he's still a kid. I can, how old is he? I guess he, I guess cause Finn's 16, but I think he's like 18 okay. now. What does he? What does he need to grow out of? I'm I'm curious to know. I think he's a little too into how much people are into him at Comic Con. So um, he has a he's he acts like he's a rock star up there. Yeah, but like, that's the thing. But, like if you're 18 and yeah. there's this place and the people are and people are into him, like it it's a hard thing to. Yeah, I yeah I I, I want to forgive him. I love Finn and everything, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, he's just a kid. Yeah. Um, but John DiMaggio was there. He was great. Um, Tom Kenny was there. Yeah. Voice of the Ice King mm-hmm. it was great, and Olivia Olson, who's the voice of Marceline the Vampire Queen, and then Rebecca Sugar, who was the creator of Steven Universe, was there for the Steven Universe stuff. But Rebecca Sugar also writes songs. Oh, okay. Adventure Time and for Steven Universe, and um, she brought out a, a ukulele, and Rebecca Sugar and Olivia Olson debuted live 
a new Marceline song that will be in the upcoming. Oh, season, that's fun. Which is fancy. Like that's, that's what you're talking about. Like yeah. why show a trailer when you can have something like that, yeah. which is like, and but, performed live. So, yeah. but they also showed a clip. Um, they're working on a stop motion episode. Oh, that's, um, that sounds like, so fun. it was, it's Finn and Jake and, uh, uh, BMO who's one of my favorites. Uh, you know, BMO. I don't remember him. My phone. Oh yes. Okay, um, <laughs> my phone. I have a BMO phone, uh, phone case, uh, <laughs> and uh Lumbee space princess are hanging out. And then BMO gets a, his face. Cause he's a, you know, a uh, little handheld gaming device. Yeah. His face gets interrupted by a weather report <laughs> and they find out there's a huge storm coming and they have to real quick build a storm shelter. And then that's where it ends. So that apparently that's going to be a, the premise of the stop motion episode is they have to build a storm shelter to ride out uh, a storm. Um, the show is so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here's what I learned from the adventure time slash Steven universe panel mm-hmm. is that among the, uh, like teenage, uh, geeks who make up the fan base, Steven universe apparently has supplanted adventure time. Interesting. When it came to the Q and a time, there were almost no questions for adventure time. It was all about Steven universe. Um, which I've watched like one episode of, and it's quite good. And I, 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 hadn't, I literally hadn't even heard of it until this thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, um, uh, everyone says it's good. And the one episode I watched was good, but I don't know it the way I do adventure time. Yeah. Uh, but I did wait three years before I watched adventure time and now I'm obsessed with it. So maybe yeah. I'll do that with the Steven universe too. Uh, but then you showed up after that yep and it was adult swim all day we don't need to talk about all of it yeah i mean and we can just kind of uh, frankly blow through it which would be great because then we can save a lot of time yeah okay. on, on so, recording uh, so for, dana snyder was the moderator for aquatine hunger force and here's, almost didn't need an aquatine hunger force panel i could have just listened to dana snyder here's talk. what they need to do <laughs> They need to do a six hour panel of him just saying what comes into his head yeah. because what I, what I certainly did not know is that uh, master shake, <laughs> his voice is a person's voice. Like <laughs> right. th- there's, they didn't get a voice actor. They got a guy who's, who is master shake uh-huh. and just like, and clearly they started writing to that to Dana Snyder because just the way he carries himself is just yeah he's the Dana Snyder is the kind of guy who can like literally just say what time it is and it's funny so oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's nine thirty yeah <laughs> oh it's about nine thirty you know just yeah and and you and I just like. We, we kept laughing and I kept looking around like, what's wrong with you assholes? Why are you laughing? This is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed myself so much. And I actually did not know that uh, the same guy did the voice of Carl as, uh, as Meatwad. Yeah. Which, uh, Dave su- yeah, which surprised me, but, um, uh, yeah, but it was D- a lot Dana of fun. Snyder, uh, updated all, all his Comic-Con people on what was going on in the outside world. Such as <laughs> the fact that Harry Styles had fallen down <laughs> at a one direction, uh, concert. Um, and uh, that people aren't eating enough vegetables. <laughs> so basically, he just said what he'd seen on the news that morning. Um, yeah. What else was, is that? Uh, Adult Swim. There was Mike Tyson Mysteries. Yeah. So next was well, next was Rick and Morty. Oh right, which, that was great. Wait, have you watched that? I, I never have. Okay. Yeah, I, I watched the first season of it, and I like it. I don't love it. Um, it's when it when it's good, it's pretty amazing. But um, but I don't love it the way some people do. Um, and I will say this, just like that panel seemed a little pleased with itself. 
Really? Which I'd say is a kind of a standard Dan Harmon type thing. Yeah. Um, but I found uh, it weird that with a, a panel with Dan Harmon, all the story, all the stories of a person being drunk were about the other guy. Yeah. But I don't know. You're a non-drinker. Right. And I'm char- charitably, I'm a heavy drinker, I guess. <laughs> I find, let me ask you this. What's uncharitable. You said charitably heavy drinker. What's yeah. the, what, if, if I'm I not feeling I generous, uncharitable, I would say I was an alcoholic, okay. but I don't know if I, I don't think, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. We haven't had that conversation in Probably a while. Stuff we should talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that can be at the top of the show next week. Okay. As a guy who drinks a lot, I find stories about, Oh man, I was so drunk. I did this really embarrassing. Oh, okay. I'm you know, not embarrassing for me. Like, do you, you get that? There, there's a, there's a, it's the kind of thing there's like a German word for or a Japanese word for embarrassment on behalf of someone else. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, that's why it's partially why I, why I had to have to leave during Q and a, because right. the questioner, it's like, you need to be embarrassed and you're not yeah, now right. I'm embarrassed for you and I have to leave. Yeah. But I feel like when people tell stories about like how they acted when they were drunk or how much they drank last night, yeah. I get embarrassed for them. I don't necessarily it's get like, embarrassed for them, but part of me, especially, and this is, this is me being anytime I'll say this anytime I weigh in on people's behavior when they're drunk or drinking, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't take long for even a good friend to tell me you don't drink. You don't know what it's like. And so I was like, Oh, <laughs> well, all like, right. <laughs> I'll just be over here then. Oh, um, like it's, it's we're, but we're choosing to drink. Yeah, I know. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's, uh, I'm should sh- shut up. I'm sure it's uh, boy. I think I in agree. general people should shut up. Like I, un- I understand if you're like in college and drinking, like drinking heavily is new to you. There's some yeah. novelty to like, Oh, you'll never believe what I did last night. But at a certain point, if you're 30, just drink and have a good time or shut up and shut up about it or yeah. don't drink at all and shut up about it. No matter what, just shut up about it. Yeah. Like that, that I think is the, what I was actually going to say is just like after a certain point, like when you're a grown man yeah, and you're telling stories about being drunk, it's just like, yeah, it's sad. It's like, you're not Ernest Hemingway. You're yeah. not Hunter S Thompson. You're right. just a grown man telling drinking stories. And I guess that's what I, I don't know much about Dan Harmon, but that's what I liked about him. At least when I watched Harmon town or here is that this is a guy who drinks and then he drinks and he doesn't, yeah. his conversation the next day isn't yeah. about how much he had to drink. Yeah. He drinks for its own sake. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And so, uh, next up was the, uh, that's Mike- episode of Rick and Morty. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, next up was, uh, the Mike Tyson mysteries, which yeah. I enjoyed quite a bit. Cause we, the, the we panel. watched a, f- we watched a full episode. What did you think of the episode though? I enjoyed it. I thought it was more, well, more missed than hit. I well, thought. And it's odd. Cause I remember your reason for not liking it was that it was predictable. <laughs> Or something like that. You're, you're like, well, I totally saw that coming. I was like, I don't think that's the point of the show. Yeah, I guess you're right. But there is, it does. There's a joke in the end. This, I guess this is the season premiere, so I don't want to give it away. Okay. But there is a joke, or, or a, a joke that they're. I think they felt like they were setting it up subtly, and then when it pays off, you're supposed to be like, oh. And I saw it, but you you didn't. So I didn't. But also, I didn't care. I wasn't trying no. to solve. I know mysteries in the title. I know officially that's what it is, but I don't care. Um, and I, I thought the jokes were funny. I did not know that. I didn't even know that Norm Macdonald did a voice on the show and I enjoyed it a lot. I loved learning that, uh, 
they've now done two seasons or they're mm-hmm. doing the second season. Mike Tyson and Norm McDonald have never met. <laughs> yeah. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I enjoy, uh, jokes like when they decide they're, when they just drive cross country and they're just driving in total silence, the radio doesn't work. Uh-huh. And so they just are hearing the, the GPS. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah, uh, the, some good stuff. the panel itself was, was funny. Uh, Mike Tyson is kind of awkward at times, uh, but I, as, as you mentioned, like he's aware of it. And, I, I think he's in on um, the whole thing. But the thing that, that got me, my favorite thing, uh, w- top three favorite things of comic-con is when someone would ask Mike Tyson a question. And so the, among the people on the panel was the producer, Hugh something. And, uh, and Mike Tyson would give up half an answer and then, but would not feel like elaborating. So he would then say, Oh, uh, I don't, I can't even give an example of an answer. So I'll just go ahead and say like, Oh, uh, computer game explain you <laughs> and he did it like twice yeah. and it's just like <laughs> well when mike tyson commands you to explain something yeah you do it. and, so, and yeah, he, he just would, jumps right in because yeah. he knows yeah. and uh it's just like what kind of life must that be when you can just say i don't feel like answering your question but you know what it deserves an answer you there explain uh, i i love that we learned we're talking spending too much time on this but apparently when this was an idea Hugh, whatever his name and Mike Tyson mm-hmm. met and decided together not to do this show. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what they talked about. I mean, maybe you were, that was when you left the room. Yeah. I think they about how it came to be. And they like, he had the, he, this Hugh guy had the idea. They met, they decided this probably isn't a good idea. And then I guess adult swim like liked the, the idea so much that they like pushed them to do it. And then once, yeah, I'm sure once they, they made a pilot, it, Mike yeah. Tyson was on board. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Oh, and the fun little like word game, the the little alphabet game that they play in oh, the yeah, in the episode, yeah. and then it gets to hit real life Mike Tyson at the end playing the word game. Yeah. Man, I do enjoy. I enjoy it. I feel like if I wish I had uh, Cartoon Network because I think oh. I would watch the show. Oh, what was uh, next? Uh, next was Robot Chicken. Who gives a shit? Nope. Um, do we need to say anything about Robot Chicken and how? I am, speaking of being I, embarrassed I, on behalf I'm, of people. Okay. I mildly enjoyed the antics of Breck and Meyer more than you did, oh, but he just, not. he's, you know, like, because go ahead. I'll say this. I think that he has enough experience as a comedic actor to actually make things funny that aren't funny. Like he made one or two jokes that you laughed at, but like, but I think the audience was just eating up, just eating it up because like, Hey, we're watching Breck and Meyer do stuff. Yeah. But to me, it was just like, it's that, it's that like that actor thing it's like yeah you're not a creative force you're that's right yeah like, that's the thing i'm talking about it's like the difference as much as i love allison brie the difference between allison brie and michael ian black yeah is that allison brie is hilarious when she she's hilarious at interpreting funny exactly characters and words yeah uh and this i don't mean this to be a slam against allison brie or against seth green or against breck and meyer right except that those are people who can all be very funny yeah. when they are acting and reading funny lines and they interpret them in a way they have a sense of timing in that way. But when they're attempting to come up with comedy on their own, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's why robot chicken is not funny. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's embarrassing. It's like that actor that I was talking about when he was talking about his process, Uh it was, it was great because now he's talking about something that is 
that is his special uh, specialty. But when he decides he wants to expound on larger things, that's when it's like, I don't want to hear what you are saying. Um, and yeah. And so yeah, Brecken Meyer, it's just like the reason, like the reason that I laughed is because he, as an actor was making what he was saying funny right. by okay. just by sheer energy. But what he was saying is not inherently funny though. He did say a joke that I feel like he probably worked out ahead of time. Um, Which one was it? Was it one of the ones I laughed at? Yeah. And in which he, he was talking about, uh, they're making a joke about like not understand, like only just now hearing about uh, this Batman versus Superman movie. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's like, Oh, that's the one with uh, Jim Caviezel and Matt Damon. Right. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and so, but yeah, uh, but here's what I would like to do. And we I saw, would like, Oh, sorry. Go on. Go ahead. And we saw clips from robot chicken I and I've, I haven't seen very much in, in general. And I saw the clips and people were laughing. It's like, I don't find this funny. Yeah really at all yeah it's i can't it's even connect astounding. to where you are that you're finding this one yeah, exactly. yeah, we yeah. are on a different plane right now um what i want to do i want to run a pre-comic-con boot camp for panelists okay and some of the things i will tell them is i know maybe this is your first comic-con maybe this has never come up before here's something that people who go to comic-con panels have heard a billion times mm-hmm. yes the back of the card, the back of your nameplate says, mm-hmm. please be aware that some audience members might be under 18 and watch your language or whatever. You don't need to comment on it. I believe I think every other comic con panel I've been to since 2008, someone has made a joke about like, someone says something says a cuss word and someone says, Oh, look at the, the warning here. It says, watch your language. It's, tired it's done it's this over. is the first time i've seen it actually it but maybe time. because is the first of these types of panels i've right. gone to um and then the other thing which they did here which doesn't happen as often but did happen twice in my comic-con this year is don't be so tickled by the fact that there's a um sign language interpreter oh yeah yeah that was not funny it was embarrassing yeah uh just trying what were they trying to get him uh i don't remember because because it happened the next day for me uh, at the Seth MacFarlane panel, which was, as you can imagine, of course. Hit, hit or miss. But that one was funnier, actually, yeah. because um, I think at the Robot Chicken one, Breckenmeyer, we just said we were going to like not talk about Robot yeah. Chicken. Here we are talking about half an hour. Uh, Breckenmeyer was trying to get the guy to say embarrassing stuff. Yeah. And on the Seth MacFarlane one, Alex Borstein had a much better attack where she was like, I want to try to learn the signs for some dirty words. <laughs> so she like, like learned how to say dick pic. <laughs> that was a little bit funnier, but still it is a tired thing to yeah. get to. There was actually like at the robot chicken thing, what I found funny was that, you know, it cut to, cause we, you know, you see the, what the cameras are showing and that kind of thing. But, uh, so we, we saw one interpreter and then it cuts back to the panel and they're talking for a while and it cuts back and it's a different interpreter. And right. they're like, Whoa, what? Yeah. How did this even happen? And so like, but again, I feel like it's like, Hey, that's kind of, f-. it's, it's like, Hey, a funny premise that so you guys aren't really executing well. Right. Um, so next up was Bob's burgers, which I, uh, I liked quite a bit. Delightful. Yeah. Um, Great. I can listen to H John Benjamin yeah. Any day of the week. And uh, Lauren Bouchard, the creator, who was yeah, the yeah. moderator. He's fantastic. Yeah, he was great. Uh, and Kristen Schaal uh, is a great panelist. I, I saw her mm-hmm. again the next day for Last Man on Earth. She, okay. Would you agree? I mean, she she's very game. Uh, 
and funny. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed her. I felt like she was definitely part of a larger ensemble in in this one. Maybe for Last Man on Earth. Maybe because uh, I saw her two maybe two yeah, days yeah. in a row, it stuck out that she's particularly yeah. like into this. Yes, I th- I I genuinely feel like that she is still kind of excited about the fact that she is famous uh-huh. uh, and that people know who she, she is and that she's like, I'm just doing this thing and having fun and people know who I am and like me. Um, yeah, I enjoyed, uh, I have always enjoyed the humor stylings of Dan Mintz more than you. Uh, yeah, I like Tina a lot. Sure. I just, I was not a big fan of Dan Mintz's standup. There is, he has one bit, that I, that I still quote to this day because it's, cause it is, I can relate to it. It's and, and is it about Roman Polanski? No. What is oh, that? Go ahead. go ahead. Where he said, he said, my, uh, my friends and I were talking about how much we wish that we had like a personal chef, you know? Um, but we realized that personal chefs cost a lot of money. So we thought like, well, maybe what we could do is we could like pool our money so that we could like, so we each have him, but it's like, Oh, but then, you know, we have to share him and maybe he, so, okay, maybe he can spend a certain amount of time in my house and then he can go to your house. Like, yeah, but that's not very practical. Like maybe we could have the chef stay in one place and then we go to that place and pay him money. And then we realize we just invented the restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty, you know, I, I like that because like there have been times when like the day I discovered that I wanted to marry Jen, I was like, we just hung out for three days and then she was going to like, she was going to go back home. And I remember thinking like, Oh man, I just want to be with her all the time. Oh shit. I just invented marriage. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, what, what was the, the joke that you wanted to say? You know what? Because I don't want to screw it up. I want to see if it's online somewhere because it's, it is a perfect joke. Okay. Uh, it's about Roman Polanski. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but I, 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 I can't find it. Yeah, I, I enjoy him. I think he has a really nice, obviously because of his voice, but also I think, I think he knows, I think he's somebody who definitely knows how he comes across and his, he has worked his cadence accordingly. Like he, he can deadpan really, really well. And he got some laughs at the panel just as a function of like deadpanning a response. Um, and I thought he did a good job with it. Um, but uh, I still want to share this joke with you, but I can't find the exact word cause it's so perfect. Oh boy. Um, can you get, are you, are you sure you can't give me the gist of it? I think I'll probably oh, still okay. find it funny. Okay. <laughs> Ro- okay. Roman Polanski lived an amazing life. He's a Holocaust survivor. His wife was murdered and he raped a young woman. I'd be happy with just one of those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but perfect. That's a perfect joke. Um, um all right. Uh, and then was, then Archer, then Archer, which was a lot of fun. I also didn't get great. to stay very long cause I actually had uh, dinner plans with someone, but, um, but yeah, I enjoyed and, that uh, one. Jessica tremendously. Walter was there, which she wasn't last year. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and she was great because she's like, they're all fucking around. Yeah. And she was like the actual, like the one actual pet. <laughs> she would like actually try to get them back on track and actually yeah. talk about like, the writing process or the like, yeah. getting the scripts and like the kind of things you normally want to hear about while they were just making jokes. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it sort of reminds me like when, when you watch like a, a comedy central roast, which admittedly I don't like to do that often unless it's like an actual comedian being roasted. But, uh, and like Cloris Leachman shows up uh-huh. and people make jokes about how she's old and stuff like that. And then every once in a while, someone will be like, you know, she's won an Oscar, right? Like, <laughs> The rest of us are just dicking around, but like, (laughs) this is Cloris Leachman. Who's who basically is like, like a really good stage 
And sorry, I'm being distracted by like the sound of bagpipes somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Oh, you know what? Jen, Jen was watching Outlander. I guess that's oh, probably it. Anyway. There was someone, by the way, outside the convention center on Sunday playing um, Star Wars music on a bagpipe. Oh, that sounds like it was fun. great, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that one uh, quite a bit. And there was a real, they started out with like a really long like video. Well, because like, normally what they do is they show the premiere. Okay. This is going back to, again, what I'm saying, early Comic-Con. I they just didn't have it ready. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, last year I saw the season six premiere yeah. at six months before actually oh, aired. Wow. um but they didn't have it ready so yeah they put together a probably possibly episode length yeah uh, it was like real that was like highlights character by character yeah and you know what it was a lot of fun like it was it was oh, a fun little like up. best stuff well yeah and i i laughed quite a bit myself oh yeah me too yeah, um, i didn't mean to say that i didn't yeah. I'm, like i'm above it it had yeah. it was it was the kind of thing if a no if i met someone who was like will i like archer i'd love to just just watch this mm-hmm. and you know this will introduce you to it but they also uh made a comic-con exclusive clip yes which i thought was only okay uh, I thought it was uh, funny. I mean, I, I, there's a certain element of just like, I appreciate that they did this and yeah. they made this. Uh, it was mostly just Archer talking shit about the movies. Yes. The, that are in Hall H or that are, have panels in Hall H. And he said, uh, help me with some of them. What were they? Um, Star Wars. I can't remember what he said about no Star Wars is the one he was excited. Oh no. About. He talks about Batman him. versus Superman. And doesn't yeah, he make a joke be, about should like be 15 seconds long? Yeah. Uh, cause <laughs> Batman doesn't have any powers. He said that, uh, man from uncle who cares about another like tired retread of Soviet era spy tropes. Yeah. And then the best one, which is, well, which will only be funny to Archer fans. Uh, cause they know the running, running, running gag, but the joke, uh, Marvel's running out of ideas. That's how you get ants <laughs> because, uh, that's how you get ants is oh, that's uh, right. yes, running yes. joke on Archer when someone yes. spills food or leaves crumbs out or something. And that's, which I forgot about until you said, it. it's like, Oh yes, that's right. That I do remember hearing that many times. Yeah. Um, you know what, real quick, I will say, uh, I believe in the, um, in the, uh, BP movie journal this week, uh, there was a specific thing where you said that I, Oh, we were talking about deliverance and you said that oh. I would like it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. David, seriously, you've got to see Mad Max Fury Road. Like you, you literally, you need to see it. You, you would like it. I haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road. Have you seen It's a Mad Mad? I Mad did. Max I watched Fury that Road. today. It I was, watched that. It was a delight. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and the reason that I that I thought of that is because in that little thing, uh, Pam shows up as the Morton Joe character, and she's delightful. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, we also in the Archer panel they talked about they reminisced about the script for the pilot. Hmm. And the fact that, like, how much the characters have changed, the fact that Pam was described as mousy. <laughs> That's right, yes, yes. It's just, yeah. There's maybe no character in the history of television who's less mousy than Pam <laughs> Booby. Uh, and then, okay, after that on Friday, you left, you went to dinner. Yeah, I went to dinner with a friend of the show, uh, Kevin Hanna, who Heard of him. Uh, was on the show years ago talking about his film... Uh, uh, clockwork girl. Uh, and at the moment he's, the film has been finished, but due to legal issues, like it can't, it hasn't been shown in the U S yet. Uh, and he's currently working on, uh, a documentary about, uh, all the stuff that he encountered while making it. And it is, uh, some very unusual I we, things. I hope we get to have him back for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I went from, uh, from Indigo Barum. I went to my first ever time going to the Comic-Con international film festival, which oh, runs nice. the entire time. Uh, of of Comic Con, and I saw a short film um, that was good. I don't want to talk too much. I feel like 
on the fence about talking because it's directed by a guy I know, so I don't want to, yeah, like, yeah. uh, you know, seem like I'm, uh, I don't know, biased or whatever, but it was a really good, uh, short horror film called hag, um, that I, uh, quite liked and I saw it and mm-hmm. it was good. And then I went to uh, grab some dinner with our, uh, friend of the show, Dan Gbosden mm-hmm. and we ran into Dan Harmon, okay. uh, outside the bar. And I said, uh, Hey, I love the Rick and Morty panel today. And Dan said, me too. Dan Gvosden said me too, which is a lie because he wasn't there. I know, but, uh, good for him. Uh, but then, uh, it, Dan Harmon was like, I literally was just like, I wanted to be like, Hey, you know, thanks for that. It was good. And then go inside. And he was so friendly mm-hmm. that he was like, he like kept talking you know, and like, he was like, yeah, are you going to the Rick, Rick and Morty screening? Which I wasn't. And he was like, yeah, I think I was supposed to be like half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was really, yeah, really friendly. And then, uh, yeah, had dinner with Dan and then, uh, met up with you again. We saw a lot of each other on Friday. Yeah. That's true. We went to the, the bar with uh, you, me and Matt Patterson. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I was going to go to the, uh, the, the worst cartoons panel, but there was a, there's this other thing, uh, this, uh, like, uh, Christian, uh, like a mixer kind of thing, which is actually very helpful because there are people that I feel like I need to know as a function of more than one lesson. Um, so I did that instead and it was fine. I guess it was nice talking to people, but you missed the word, but I, I missed the worst. Like I did it once next year. Worst cartoons. I'm going to worst cartoons. Um, but then we went to, yeah, you and I went to a bar and Matt Patterson uh, from Warner Archive joined us and then you left mm. and then a guy collapsed at the bar. Did I tell you this story? Yes, you did. Guy collapsed at the bar. Not, not funny. He, I think he ended up being fine. He was awake and, mm-hmm. but they were, you know, paramedics were attending to him. And then another guy, a super drunk guy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Leon Russell drunk. To oh, go back out. to our uh, <laughs> movie journal. <laughs> like a drunk guy started shouting, like standing essentially over this guy who was cleft and shouting. This is the kind of thing that makes sense to a drunk person, I guess. <laughs> shouting, he's not dead. He's not dead. <laughs> this is what he kept shouting to the point that security, like, for some reason didn't kick him out of the bar. They just walked him over to another part of the bar where his friend who was more sober was like, I'm sorry, like apologizing for him, got him out of the way. Five minutes go by. This guy walks by again, still shouting again. He's not dead. He's not dead. And so this point security decided you're out of here. So they said, get out of here. So the guy starts walking backwards toward the elevator and he starts walking sort of seductively and rubbing his stomach (laughs) and then walks backwards to the elevator with both middle fingers in the air. (laughs) Well, his friend is like trying not to laugh at him, but like, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. Um, that was delightful. Uh, and then, uh, Saturday was next. Yeah, I didn't do a whole lot on Saturday. I will say that as I was walking the floor, I ran across friend of the show, Townsend Coleman. Nice. Uh, because at WonderCon and Comic-Con, uh, there's always a very popular tick booth. And uh, Ben, oh, Edlund, was ben Edlund was there uh, signing autographs. And, and I... And I thought like, Hey, maybe I can talk to Ben Edlin and say that, uh, you know, maybe try to get him on the show and say that Townsend Coleman has been on. And I glanced, I was like, Hey, there's Townsend Coleman. <laughs> Better go up and say hi to him. And so, uh, you know, it took a moment for him to remember who I was. Sure, uh, it's been years. It's been years. It was your old place. Yeah. And, uh, but then, but he remembered and, and we had a really good conversation about like, you know, uh, what it is like, how, 
people at the convention, he, I feel like he's very much like a Doug Jones, like people at the convention love him. Uh-huh. They may not know what he looks like, but they really love him and they're very excited when they meet him and he's excited for them as well. But everything about the convention is not for him. <laughs> like he does, he just, he doesn't like these, this kind of crowd, uh, and that sort of thing. And just, and, and the level of like, of geekery, you know, where people like ask certain types of questions and he's just like, and he feels bad. He's like, I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I was just an actor, you know? Um, and, uh, but he also said that like the, what you and I've said, which is like the amount of positivity. And when people come up and say like such and such a thing changed my life. And he's just like, okay, I was just doing a voice, but that's great. That's amazing. You know? And, uh, you know, and I was, and, and I told a story about like earlier in that, earlier that day I had seen this. I need to like, I I need to like work to not get emotional right now. Like I saw like a disabled kid and he was like dressed up and he was just, he was like with his parents and there, he was just having like the time of his life. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I said, like, you know, I get cynical about Comic-Con, and a lot of people get cynical about Comic-Con, a lot of people who've never been to Comic-Con, especially, and uh, which is something uh, probably a comment for another time. Um, but do you think you and I ever do that? What? Get, I don't even know if cynical is the word, but dismiss something we've never participated in? Uh, well, I probably. Remember, like, I remember, I'm answering my own question here. Okay. South by Southwest this year. Sure. Just seeing so many tweets about people who were seeing fast and furious, whatever, 19, mm-hmm. whatever, which, whichever one came out, uh, and seeing all these like studio movies and being like feeling kind of snobby about it. Like, Oh, you go to a film festival to see the newest universal genre uh, release. And that's like not cool. I've never been, I don't know what the vibe is there. And that's exactly what these, uh, comic con anti comic con people who've never been to comic con do. I guess I'm trying I mean, I, uh, I guess I'm not super dismissive of, of, no, of I, some things. I mean, I try not to be, but I do have that impulse. Yeah. I, and I'm sure I am in, in, in other ways as well. But, uh, but the, um, well, I know I'm, I'll let you get back to the story. Okay. Do you follow, uh, the, the, the film critic, Scott Weinberg? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he hates Comic-Con uh, and yeah, it is delightful it. to me to follow him during okay. Comic-Con. And he did a thing this year. I don't know if you were following him where he was <laughs> retweeting like, known major online film critics mm-hmm. reactions to the sucker punch footage from two from like 29 and <laughs> 2009 and 2010 <laughs> and talking about how great sucker punch looked and like without comment, just a bunch in a row, just retweeting people saying that sucker punch looked amazing. Yeah. It was delightful. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'll, that's, uh, that, that's fine. It's uh, it keeps me from uh, getting uh, super emotional, but it's like people get very cynical about that. And in the same way that like, I was, I was bringing this up as I was talking with Townsend that just like, it's very easy to be dismissive of things, but that thing you're being dismissive of could be the thing that is like, there's going to sound weird, like keeping somebody going. Right. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I think Comic-Con is kind of a celebration of that. And you and I've talked about that before. Like people are nerdy about very different things, but the thing they're nerdy about might be the thing that they, where they finally found where they fit in and just like, and it's great when you see that. And the idea that this disabled kid can be, you know, and I feel bad even saying disabled kid, but just like he was clearly like, 
he was in, he was like in a wheelchair. He was always going to be a small person no matter what. And just, but, and I don't even remember what he was dressed up as, but like, he was just like, damn it. Like it just to see him like looking around at all the different costumes and he was just had this huge smile on his face. And it was like, like I wanted to hug his parents and say like, (laughs) thank you for bringing this kid here. That's what comic con is to me. And I think a lot of people who, uh, dismiss it, they see, and I understand like the surface level stuff, which is like sure. studios yeah. and it's very the, easy to be cynical about it. Yeah. Because there's such a huge network studio, corporate presence yeah. at Comic-Con. It's easy to see it as just like, you're just living inside a commercial like yeah. clusterfuck for five days. I understand that. Um, there is some element of that, but I think my argument has always been that, Yes, all the studios and everyone comes here, but they come to the convention yeah. because they come to San Diego, uh, not Los Angeles where they're from or whatever. They travel to where our community, the geek or nerd community Mm -hmm. over the course of the last 40 something years built something, you know, they're coming to us. And so we have the power, you know, and someone said, at the Bill Murray panels, one of the one of the questioners, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, questioners, mm-hmm. but one of the question askers, I guess, before asking her question, just said, "Thank you for coming down here. We all really appreciate it." And I was yeah. like, normally I don't like when they, when people who ask questions speak on behalf of the whole crowd, but that was a sort of thing. Like, yeah. yeah, you came to us to this thing that we built that's for us, and we appreciate that FX comes and builds an amusement park, yeah. and like, there's all this. We appreciate all that, yeah. but we're here for each other and for the stuff that we love. Uh, that's what it's really about. Well, and as somebody who also who loves Comic Con and loves Disneyland, um, okay. people are very cynical about Disney in general, but Disneyland especially. And they'll be, be like, Oh, Disneyland's just like, everything's like, it's all about money. And it's like, yeah, I guess as an adult, you can realize that. But when it comes right down to it, and I'm looking at that kid hugging Mickey and being like fucking thrilled about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like it's, and sh- surely the, the company's like a soulless thing, but whatever that kid doesn't know it. That's a good point. Cause I'm as, I'm as cynical as you can be, but I love Disneyland. Yeah. So I mean, there's something, some, there must be a lot of overlap between people who love Disneyland and people who love Comic-Con. Well, uh, you like lines and crowds. <laughs> right. Um, okay. All right, so, what else happened on Saturday? So, I went to the last minute earth panel. What else did you do? All right. David, last year you told me a story okay. about either you were either standing in line or you witnessed people standing in line out oh, right. in the hot sun yeah. and that there was that there are some so guys I, there are some people passing out cold water bottles for free to people in line and that this uh that these people were part of an organization called geeky guys for god <laughs> uh i don't think i knew that oh, okay yeah yeah it's I it's think- it's on the water bottle okay. and um and so you told me about them. I was like, well, I feel like I should know them because well, let's give some background to the listener who might yeah, maybe is listening. That's doesn't true. Know yeah, Comic-Con. Yeah. One of the less fun parts of Comic-Con yeah. is the guys with the big yellow signs and yeah. usually loudspeakers. But I feel like there was less of that this year for some reason. Uh, I heard less shouting. Yeah. Yeah. But there's the guys who just stand near the lines or out in the gasoline district with signs that say, I don't know, repent. Well, I don't know what they say. And they're shouting about how you're going to hell and superheroes aren't 
or false idols or something like that. <laughs> that sort of thing. Usually, right? The yellow signs don't usually say the stuff about superheroes. I mean, and the Westboro Baptist Church people. Yeah, that's them. Uh, Who don't show up every day. They, they have shown up before, but I didn't yeah, see yeah. Westboro people this year. Yeah. And I've talked to the yellow signs before. And yes, I recognize I shouldn't call them the yellow signs because they're people holding them. But, but that's, um, what, that's how people would come yeah. to think of them. And, and they do say repent, right? Yeah. Well, it's what's so fascinating to me because I've, I've talked with people about this, like, that those signs could say like there's plenty of love in Christianity and grace and forgiveness. Those are good things. Now, while I recognize that for somebody to seek forgiveness, they have to first understand that they need to be forgiven for something. So I recognize that's a key part of it. Uh-huh. But if you focus on that first, you're not going to like, I, I think I can safely say, and I don't like to speak in extremes. I think I can safely say that exactly zero people have ever been positively impacted <laughs> by the yellow signs ever. Yeah. However, I think I can probably say that I'll be a little more concerned. I'll say about 75% of people are negatively impacted by the yellow signs. At least. Yeah. And so, but these guys, the geeky guys for God, yeah, they walk around handing out, cold water to people who yeah. need it out in the sun and then they don't start preaching right then they say listen here's who we are here's where, where we'll be if you want to come talk about yeah. this thing whatever yeah and this time they didn't even because they weren't able to actually get a booth which is weird because usually they're grandfathered in uh hmm. and yeah they they actually told me the whole sordid tale that like they said they comic-con said like you're on the list you're on the you're on the waiting list don't you worry and then uh Somebody else got who was not on the waiting list and was not on there was not there last year uh, got in and uh, so I don't know it's just very frustrating but anyway especially because I think what they do is very good and so uh, this year I thought like because I actually got to know those guys last year and uh, we were all at Alpha Omega Con together um, I thought like I'm gonna help them do this uh, water bottle thing. So I stood so that we had a thousand water bottles and we distributed them in like thirty minutes and. Um, and uh, there was one little moment that, that felt really good where um, uh, some people walked by me. They had already gotten water bottles for, from somebody else, and they were looking at the label, and they, and they realized, oh, it's a, it's a Christian thing. And m- me being who I am, I assumed they'd be like, ugh, like they would react like that. And this guy said, he's like, see, now that's how you advertise God. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck yeah. That's right, <laughs> asshole. And I look, and I literally looked across the street at like the yellow sign, and I was just like, nobody is paying attention to you right. except to make fun of you. Right. Meanwhile, like this thing is, I think a lot. It's, it's it addresses a practical concern. I can't tell you how many people I would like give water to, and they're like, oh, thank you so much. I I need this so badly, and it's just like. And, and, uh, here's, here was my pitch. Cause David, I know that you are fascinated by me pitching things in public. Yeah. I said, cold water. And people walk by and I'd say it is free. And then they would take it because <laughs> they, they assumed that I would, you know, yeah. um, and, uh, and that happened pretty much every time I'd say cold water. And there's like, I don't want to pay anything. And it's like, it is free. <laughs> and so then they'd be really excited about it. So anyway, so <laughs> you're good at that. You gotta, you got it kid. So, uh, so yeah. And, uh, 
So from there, I went to the Hammer, the Warner Archive Hammer Horror uh, panel featuring Joe Dante, Joe Dante, which was a lot of fun. And he talked about Inner Space, which is being released by uh, Warner Archive. Um, Delightful. What a great movie. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in years, and they showed a clip from him like, that was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then uh, they're releasing, One Archive is releasing a really nice uh, Blu-ray set of Hammer, and I really don't have much familiarity with Hammer Horror. Uh, I know you've talked about it. Our friend Kyle has talked about it. And I looked at that set, and I was like, I feel like this might be a good jumping-off point, so I think I'll probably wind up purchasing that set. It so, worked. Yeah. And it was, and it was just a lot of fun, like hearing Joe Dante talk about like the stuff that influenced him and, and his love of hammer horror. It's just, I don't know. It's nice to, nice to hear. Anything else you did on Saturday? Uh, well, we went to the Hannibal okay, panel. So let me catch up to you then. Yeah. Uh, I went to the last man on earth, which, uh, was, I mean, kind of unremarkable, but it was the first of two panels I went to where the panelists were drinking on stage, which I don't think <laughs> comic con actually endorses, <laughs> But um, now you watched The Last Man on Earth, right? I watched three episodes and then okay. stopped. You watched enough to know about the margarita pool. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 moderator decided, well, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. It's probably a little early for margaritas. But she brought out, she had a Barbie pool that she'd put ice, champagne, and orange juice in. And they had mimosas. Nice. Uh, while they did the panel. So that was fun. But the panel wasn't that revelatory or anything. No. I mean, they haven't. They're not even writing. They're barely even writing anything there. And also it's a show. It's the weird like network sitcom that they have to be super secretive about. Hmm. So like January Jones is on the panel, but they wouldn't even say if January Jones is in season two or not. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, that was weird. Um, and then I went to ballroom 20 and, uh, sat through a bunch of, I saw, well, I saw the end of the, um, the last half of the TV guide fan favorites, which was delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, Macy Williams from game of Thrones was on there. Nisi, not, Oh, um, no, who's the other woman from Reno 911? Not Niecy Nash, but the, like, to be the white woman from Reno 911. Oh, is it Carrie something? No, no, not her. The the woman who's on the Goldbergs now, she was there for. Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, I feel bad. Yeah, there's Carrie Kinney, there's Niecy Nash. Wendy? Oh, uh, Wendy. M- like McClendon Covey or something like that. Wendy McClendon Covey was there. Um, and then some guys from shows I don't watch, um, were there and it was a, uh, great time. Uh, and Mm -hmm. then there was the Simpsons, which was a lot of fun. I should say, uh, and I didn't mention it earlier because an aspect of comic con that we have talked about before is the interesting experience of you want to go to a panel, mm-hmm. but it hasn't started yet. And in fact, you might have a full half hour, but they're still letting people in. So it's like, well, I can guarantee I'll get a seat if yeah, I right. go now. Yeah. And then you sit in on a panel that you have no interest in. Ends up being delightful. And it winds up, or at the, maybe not delightful in some cases, but it winds up being interesting because now you're getting a glimpse of like fans that you would never come in contact yeah. with. So like before, uh, my, before the beloved villains panel that I went to, I sat in on the Capcom panel and I mean, I, I, if you say Capcom to me, I'll say street fighter. That's Mm -hmm. the only thing I think about, uh, in regards to them. And, uh, and it was just, and it was so interesting 
And then, by, so yeah, this is back in Thursday. I, I only just remembered this, um, because you mentioned, uh, that. And so, um, it seems such an, uh, they were remaking, uh, uh, resident evil, um, with like better graphics and stuff, but they showed like this, that the original game was meant as like a Nintendo 64 game. And so they actually showed footage from that, that, uh, that uh, uh iteration like prototype or whatever and then they showed graphics from the the original game and then the new one and what's interesting is you had this weird mix of people who were who had such love for the original thing and they were very excited about the role that that played in their lives but they couldn't laugh fast or hard enough at the graphics like when we saw when they saw it like <laughs> and they just like like real mocking laughter it's like and i was just, and i i was i was just, just mystified i was looking around I was like yeah what the hell are you t-? like you just you just got done cheering at the at the idea of it it's like but now that you see the updated graphics this thing's like a piece of shit that you just can't discard fast enough. I was just so fascinated by it. Very funny. So anyway, sorry, we can move on. I apologize. Yes, okay. Just... So, uh, Simpsons was great. Um, Gamer Dose Horror was there for the whole panel. Oh, that's, that's um, awesome. Cause they show, he had done, he did a, uh, I guess they call it a couch gag, but he ended up doing an entire opening and couch yeah, gag, yeah. Which was really good, which is great. So they showed that again and it's already, aired. um, they announced that uh, John Crickfalusi will be doing a couch gag uh, next year. The guy who did Ren and Stimpy. Oh, oh, all right. Um, Guillermo del Toro tried to bully Matt Groening into agreeing to do an episode where Guillermo del Toro voices the Bumblebee man's brother. <laughs> uh, why would you need to bully yourself into your way <laughs> yeah. into that? Like, that sounds yeah. great. Apparently, like, del Toro was saying that, like, literally every time he's talked to Matt Groening in the past like 10 years he's brought up this idea and he's never gotten it through um and and uh, yeah so that, that was fun and then I sat through the Seth MacFarlane stuff no need to talk about that yeah like he's got a new show called Border Town didn't look very I'm fun. sure it'll be bad um then I sat through uh Grimm nothing to say about that but okay. that was always fun but then what I was really there for was Outlander okay and Hannibal Outlander was uh fully embracing the not the you know historical political uh elements of outlander not embracing the uh show that um really digs deep on the effects uh the the mental and physical effects of torture and rape mm-hmm. but really instead really getting into the fact that outlander is a real saucy and ribald show <laughs> that's what they focused on which is fine with me because it made for a delightful panel they they, sh- they, they, sh- they should have had uh john lovitz uh hosted <laughs> do, do you remember that sketch it's one of my favorite things which Ta- tales of ribaldry oh no where you've never seen it no i remember okay after this we will have to watch it oh my god where, i gotta go home after this. where he it's, he's hosting it's like a masterpiece theater thing and it cuts to john lovitz in full fop mode uh-huh. and he's dressed foppish and he's like oh hello <laughs> and he's, he's like and and he just keeps talking about uh so he tells this story and then we cut to the story it's like mel gibson is like this this naive woodsman you know who's who is uh chopping wood for like this rich woman whose husband is away and that sort of thing and you're just like oh no i ripped my shirt you know and then and then it 
every time something happens, it cuts back to, to John Lovett's wide eyed staring right in the camera. like, Oh my, <laughs> it's like such ribaldry and just, Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, so it should have been, it should have been that John Lovett's mostly it was just them. Uh, the, the moderator poured them all whiskey and then handed them slips of paper that had lines from 50 shades of gray and the like on them. Okay. And then the deal was, if you can read this with a straight face, if you can read this with a straight face, you don't have to drink. But if you break up while reading these lines, you have to take a drink of your whiskey. Oh, so boy. Turned into a little drinking game. That's fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And the, um, uh, now, uh, the stars, mm-hmm. Katrina Balfe, whose first name is not spelled like you would think Katrina would be spelled, um, and Sam Hewen, whose last name is arguably not spelled like you would think Hewen would be spelled, um, have the most delightful chemistry. There, I, I could just—I I don't even need a show. I could just watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of the more touching parts was when Sam Hewen tried to be nice and said to Katrina, "I would do anything for you," and she went. I <laughs> made the gagging, the gagging gesture. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be their friendship. Um, they're, yeah, they're, they're fun. And then, yeah, we saw Hannibal together. Yeah. Which is, which, which actually spawned a conversation that you and I had. And I think warrants an episode. Okay. Right. And it was yeah. that, uh, unless it's something we've done an episode on before, which is like, cause we did an episode on like, how to enjoy things correctly or whether there is a way to enjoy things correctly. I guess, I guess we have talked about it a little bit, but I think it was something like, I mean, like I love, I I love Hannibal as does everybody in that room. But like, there's just something about like the, I mean, the tone of that show is just so dark and I mean, you're dealing with like some really rough emotional stuff and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the idea that like, that you're really kind of almost plumbing like the depths of like the darker, like the darkest side of humanity right. and really trying to figure out what that means. And then you, got uh, and then you have Abigail with her next. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's just like that someone can watch this and say like, I'm a fanable. Like it just, it seems wrong to me. And not to me. This is why we right. might be a good episode is because we disagree. Yeah, we really do. Right. And so, but again, it, but even in standard fashion, like as we were talking about it, like we kind of came to a point of like, I'm not even saying that they're wrong. It, for me, it's almost a yes. And it's like, yes, you do love it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. No question about it. But, and this is where it probably sounds elitist of me, but it's like, but by going to the school that we went to and by demanding and by doing this show the way we do and by hanging out with the people that we hang out with, we have trained ourselves to demand, not even demand more, but to look deeper, to look as deep into a thing as possible. And Hannibal is pretty damn deep. And so for people to focus even purely on the style, which is uh, uh, enough as it is, it's just like, yes, that's a perfectly reasonable way to look at this show. But there's, but there's so much more than just yeah, but saying, think, fan, you know, you're a fan. Like we were talking about earlier. There are certain things that you leave at the door when you come, not even uh, you leave it at home right. in San Diego for Comic-Con. I know. And so I'm sure all those people understand all that stuff. And I guess that's, the, that's the thing is because like to me, Hannibal doesn't see or like outlander based on what, you know, Jen has told me stuff like they don't seem like Comic-Con shows. 
but you know what I mean? Like all that stuff. Cause if you, you know, I mean, it's horrific, you know, so there's that. <laughs> right. But plenty of comic books deal with heavy issues. It just, Comic-Con is a place to celebrate the positive parts of stuff. It's not supposed to be a lecture. I just, I don't know. know. It's just because, I don't know, because of it. And you know, maybe people have a different emotional response to it than I do. Like I, I watch Hannibal and it like does a number on me. Like it taps into my depression uh-huh. and to think that oh, someone yeah, yeah. will celebrate that with, uh, with like, Hey, you know, this character you got really attached to, uh, and you felt like really like heart and it was heart wrenching when you saw them die. Yeah. yeah, I'm dressed like them now. Yeah. Like, so I think it might just be the character like... you killed off at the end of season one, but then turned out it wasn't dead at the end of season yeah. two, but then he killed... Just so you could do again. it again. But then she kind of showed up in season three and teased you with the idea of being alive, but then it turns out she's really for real dead. Yeah. It's a fun costume, right? <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of... I'm sure it's just what I bring to it, but it was a fun, you know, it was a fun panel, and it. I went to one, I think, two years ago. Um, or maybe it was last year. I don't remember. Yeah, two years um, ago, I did not get in because they were in a small room. Oh, uh, okay. I went to one where there was ballroom 20 yeah, and, and, and I enjoyed that one as well. Just Brian Fuller is a fascinating individual. Like and, and he, uh, he gets it. He gets the comic con thing. He certainly does. But he also like, it's he's, he is like the perfect blending of what you're talking about. Right. Like he can talk about like, he can, he can create some of the most beautiful and mesmerizing and horrendous art I've ever seen on television and then completely engage people dressed as these, as yeah. these characters and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, he's, he's a guy that gets it. But yeah. He gets into, cause he would tweet like, pictures of the the, yeah. the death tableaus from the show you're like nbc would only let us show the, this for a certain number of frames so here it is so you can focus on this guy's <laughs> face sliced open or whatever it is yeah he gets he gets yeah. the fun of it as well as the darkness of it uh yeah it was a fun uh panel they showed the uh i guess the trailer for the back half of season yeah. three is that what you would call it yeah which really focused is clearly this is the red dragon part which yeah. is awesome yeah, I'm really jumping intrigued. ahead three years. Yeah. Uh, Will's going to be married. I'm assuming with an adopted son and fixing boats in Florida because that's it would appear so. That's yeah, canon. That's yeah. what he's supposed to be doing. They might change it from Florida because they're changing where the red dragon is. By the way, which you know bums me, where the tooth fairy is, or at least where the murders take place. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Because you in the prefer... trailer they said, did you hear about Buffalo and Chicago? But in Red Dragon, the book, it's in the South, and he's mm-hmm. based out of uh, St. Louis. Right. Or technically, I think St. Charles, Missouri. But It's weird that you want to claim I do. this horrendous murder. I do. I want to the Tooth Fairy to be from from the St. Louis area. Fair enough. Uh, and then what else did we do on Saturday? Then- I went to a panel that, you know what, I loved because it was a moderator and a single panelist. Okay. And it was uh, voice actor Wally Wingert. Okay. Um, who, all right. I went there because he's the voice of the Riddler in the Arkham games. All right. Which I haven't played, but I've watched other people play them. And yes, while working, uh, I've pulled up on YouTube, like playthroughs of the Riddler storyline. And he's a very interesting Riddler. I like, I like a lot of what he does. And so I thought it'd be interesting to just kind of see him talk about that. And then you realize, 
oh, not unlike a Townsend Coleman or a Maurice LaMarche. Yeah, he's done a lot of voices. And yeah. they they started with like a little montage of all the different things he's done, like in commercials and in radio and in movies and television. Like he did a voice uh, in Invader Zim. Oh, cool. I don't remember the name of the character, but it's like it's a notable character. Um, And it was basically him talking about being a voice actor. And also what this was, it wasn't merely a panel. It was a workshop. Like he asked, like, how many people here want to be voice actors? And the vast majority of people raised their hand. And so he said, like, okay, here are some basic things that you're going to need to know. And he just gave, like, really good tips. And he was just, I don't know, it it was very interesting. And he was a... I don't know. He, he had a lot of energy to him and, and that sort of thing. And uh, I will go ahead and say, uh, stay tuned, everybody. All right. Um, okay. I went to, oh, well, I was going to go to the other, the Warner Archive last minute edition panel, mm. which was the, they redid their WonderCon uh, Toonstock panel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, Robert Kirkman didn't show, was was not, oh, unable to come to Comic-Con this year. Okay. That's the guy who created Walking Dead. Right. And so there was a Robert Kirkman panel that suddenly didn't exist anymore, and so they did a Warner Archive panel. I was going to try to go, but it ended up being very popular because of whatever was in there next, and I didn't get in. Hmm. So I went and watched uh, the pilot for a new show called I Already Forgot. Containment, I think it's oh, okay. called. It's from Julie Plack, who uh, is one of the creators of The Vampire Diaries. Okay. It was fine. It was a very... Um, I'll say this. I like one thing I liked a lot about it. Uh, very diverse cast, both in gender and race. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, but what's notable is that before the containment pilot was person of interest. So I okay. saw the end. I saw the Q and a portion of the person or the end of the Q and a por- portion of the person of interest panel, which included Amy Acker, uh, uh, an actress that I like quite a bit. She was Fred on angel okay. uh, character. I love, um, but person of interest is produced by Jonathan Nolan. Mm. And he, at the end, very end of the panel, everything's done. And he was like, oh, before you leave, one thing I want to show you real quick is this other thing I'm working on. Please don't, you know, record this or whatever. Uh, and he showed a sort of sizzle rail trailer type thing for Westworld, the oh, HBO yeah. series, um, which uh, looks pretty cool. I got to say, again, it was a trailer. It wasn't a f- wasn't footage. It could be terrible. But the opening is like the lights come on in this room and there's a woman sitting sort of slumped over in a chair and she's like, this is clearly a very modern high tech room, but she's dressed sort of old timey in like, a like, uh, bloomers, like on her mm-hmm. undergarments, I guess, but old timey undergarments. So right. She's very covered up, but she's sort of slumped over and her eyes are wide open. And you hear this, there's a voiceover going about, um, consciousness and identity and the, telling the difference between dreams and reality and all this stuff. And as, as this is all going on, the uh, camera is slowly pushing in on this woman's face. She's not moving at all because psst, she's a robot. It, yeah, oh. It's Westworld, so she's probably... We don't know that, but yeah. she's probably a robot. Uh, yeah. Pushing in on her face. She's not moving at all. Now, listeners who've heard the BP Movie Journal, yeah, you know... <laughs> David has no respect for Westworld based I have not on yet garnered it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The respect of saying robot so far. I'm saying robot. Uh, but as it's pushing in, you see a fly lands in her face. Mm-hmm. She's not moving at all. Fly crawls around her face and eventually the, the fly crawls directly across her eyeball. Ugh. Super creepy. Yeah. But because she's a robot that's turned off, yeah. she doesn't flinch at all. Super creepy. And then it was just a bunch of shots, like a trailer, you know, of, horses and vistas and 
It was very bloody. People getting shot in the neck and like geysers of blood coming out of their necks. And then awesome. uh, Anthony Hopkins talking about God. And then uh, it was over. <laughs> uh, but that was cool. And that was pretty much Comic-Con. We went to dinner with Ryan uh, mm-hmm. Gallagher from the Criterion cast after that. I went and had some drinks with uh, some people, including my friend Angie from Slash Film and my, and uh, Jack Giroux from, uh, from School Rejects. I will say on the uh, as I was walking to the uh, restaurant where we ate with uh, Ryan, uh, I passed by Petco Park. And oh, sure. they have, in, in the time that I, since I went and like paid money to like watch The Walking Dead Escape, um, or the, the, the experience of either being a zombie or being chased by zombies uh, inside Petco Park. Uh, since then, they have developed it a little bit more, and it, it I, I haven't like, I didn't go inside or anything like that, but they changed where the zombie area would be, which means as you're walking by, you know, there's the, like, there are zombies like at the gates uh-huh. and as you're walking by, they'll like Zombie growl at the gates y- starring Jude law. <laughs> Absolutely. And the career of Joseph Fiennes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually I think he's in something right now. That was not a good joke to make. Um, but the, uh, they'll like reach out for you and the makeup is like really good. I, I, I tweeted a couple of photos and it's like, it looked really great. And it's just like, and I thought I had this, I was like, I better be a lot of fun to be a zombie. I might be willing to pay for that soon <laughs> and do that. But anyway, so yeah. And after dinner I, I left, but like, what did your Sunday look like? Did you, I just, I went down, I didn't do any panels. It was a children's hospital panel, but Sunday to me is for shopping and okay. catching up and having lunch with friends. So okay. I walked around the floor, bought some comics, bought some stuff for my wife, okay. uh, some welcome to night Vale stuff, some other stuff. Um, and then uh, went and had uh, lunch with uh, Kate Kolzik and her sister and my friend Gary. And mm-hmm. we reminisced about our weeks. And then I took the train home nah. where I had to listen to music while I read because the guy next to me was teaching himself Japanese, which meant talking out loud. <laughs> Just look, he had some program on his phone and he would say like, toaster. And then whatever Japanese <laughs> for like two hours. So I just put on music and read comic books. Here's what's fun about that story is it brings us all the way back yep. to how this episode started. And the fact, I guess it's commendable that you didn't absolutely murder that I person. Put in my headphones. Uh, and then, but I was so, what kind of headphones were those? <laughs> all right, that's it. Uh, you can find us at battleship You can email us at David at battleship or Tyler at battleship You can follow me, David on Twitter at Davy pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Uh, Tyler, you have another podcast called more than one lesson what's going yeah. on uh the most recent episode is about paul thomas anderson's the master i'm okay. actually very happy with the conversation very excited for that my other podcast is called hey watch this this week paul's got the week off so the aforementioned kate kolzik and i will be talking comic-con so you can hear essentially me say a lot of the same things i already said i feel like there's got to be a better way to say that but to, with to kate's sell that input yeah you can hear about Kate's comic. Yeah, Kate did a whole bunch of other things, including yeah. cosplay. Which every year I yeah. say, next year I'm going to do it. Would would you you going to dress up as a Riddler next year? It's, uh, it's one of those. I approach it with resignation, as though I don't have a choice. It's like, it's like it's not this year, but it'll happen eventually. Yeah. Obviously, uh, yeah. my whole reason for uh, sorry, I have a number of reasons. One is that like. I need to be true to the character, which means I need to, I feel like I need to lose a lot of weight and shave. Um, that has not stopped other people by the way, but you know what? I feel like it would, it would stop me. I need to be true to this character, but also 
this is a weird thing to say. It's like, I don't want to be dressed as the Riddler when I get in an argument with somebody, you know, I need them to take me seriously. So I'm just trying to avoid arguments. Maybe I already do. But as, (laughs) as it's, as is becoming clearer and clearer, I'm having a harder time with that. I'm yelling stuff at people at little Caesars. Yeah. Like, you know, it's going to be tough. Who, who would you be? I forget. Uh, I've decided if I do it next year, I want to be, a character from Adventure Time. This is sort of an inside. I don't. You probably don't know this I character. Bet, probably not. Yeah. Character's name is Simon. Okay. You actually do know the character. You know him as the Ice King. Oh. Okay. But in flashbacks, he's Simon. Okay. And I feel like I could pull off Simon. So. Okay. Fair enough. Let's, All right. Yeah, uh, next year, you know what? Maybe I'll do Simon. I'll be the Riddler. You be Simon. Okay. Um. That's it. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 